0: Hey, y'all, it's your girl Maria, the spiritual homegirl. We are back with another episode of the spiritual Home Girl podcast. Now, before we get started, y'all know I cannot do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo-boo. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land, you choose to lend me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I hella appreciate that. So today is April 2nd, 2021. I am on day number 92, if I remember correctly, of my podcasting marathon. Wow, I've been podcasting every day for three months straight. It does not feel like it. But I'm really grateful to be able to still be out here moving and grooving with it for three months straight. Wow, that's that's awesome. I'm just processing this in real time with with you all. Wow, that's dope. But. Um, I am really excited because today is a super special episode. All of my episodes are super special, but this interview is unlike any interview I have ever done in my entire life. That's that's the best way I can put it. I've never interviewed a person like Tijuana Jackson. I've never interviewed in this particular type of way. It's a different kind of interview. And if you've been following this podcast since 2016, you would know exactly what I mean. So, who is Tijuana Jackson, right? Tijuana Jackson, if you've been familiar with uh, with what he's been doing, he's been around for a long time. Um, I've been following his character for, for a while. And then once I saw his film, uh, Purpose Over Prison, and then when I saw that he actually had an Instagram, and then when I saw that he had a financial course and other things that he gives game on, I was like, you know what? I need him on my show. Because Tijuana Jackson is a life coach, yes. He did his own movie. He's a business-minded man. He's a life... I say he's a life coach, right? Truth seeker, truth teller. He literally talks about everything in these two hours of of game. And if you're going to look at the YouTube that goes up in the next uh, few hours or so you will see my face just kind of, <laughs> this look of just like, wow. <laughs> like, wow, well, I'm here. Wow, he's right. And now the wheels in my head are turning in real time, and I need to be focused on this interview. So if you see my facial expressions, that is why. Because Tijuana Jackson, it, the interview was just so fire, and the knowledge was just so, he put me on a lot today. I can't even fret. Like, and, and, I, and I really pray and trust that he puts you on game too. So if you have a notebook and a pen, I'm going to give you some time really quickly to go ahead and get that. Because once this interview start, you're going to be taking notes for the next two hours. I really, again, pray and trust that you enjoy the content that that he had to uh, share with us and the information. But again, this really was a super, super informative interview. So I just want to give you all a moment. Go ahead. If you don't want to take notes and you're more of a person that likes to hear and retain the information, I got some teachers that's like that. I've learned from them only um, only verbally. I couldn't write things down. So if you're a person that likes to learn that way, just listen and go from there. You can definitely do so, boo. Uh, get you some water or something. Some tea, some juice, a little snacky snack. And I purposely did this on today, which is Friday, because I thought this was an awesome way to cap off a long week for some of us with a little bit of edutainment. You know? A lot of education, a lot of entertainment as well. And it's like I said, I really enjoyed this interview so, so much. So with that being said, without further ado, let me just go ahead and get straight to it, okay? Here is episode number 207's interview with Tijuana Jackson.
1: Let's kick it off. Let's kick this shit off. (laughs) Let's go. All right, look, I'm going to start the shit off by saying this. One of the things I've noticed about American culture that really stands out to me is how, com- how much we have actually embraced uh, uh, we, the fictitious life. We engage our screens, our screens, the relationships that we have with our celebrities and athletes often uh, are prioritized more so than the relationships we have with our actual family members, neighbors and friends. So what ends up happening is we end up taking betrayal from a celebrity more personal. than than the betrayal of a family member. We end up mourning the death of a celebrity or an athlete more than we mourn the death of our own family members. That is clear to me that what has ended up happening, at least within this civilization, is that we've become indoctrinated to the point of actually relating more so to what we experience. We are a vicarious nation. So what we experience takes a back seat to what we view through our screens. We are living vicariously through our screens. Hence the manifestation of Tijuana Jackson. What I've come to realize is, is that I'm actually able to catch people in a more vulnerable state. And I've also come to understand what cultivation theory is. And this is what a lot of niggas don't understand is when you sit in front of your screen, you veg out, you call it vegging out. But a scientist, but a psychologist, he would call it theta state. Now, theta state is actually when your mind is at a point of one of its lower vibrations, and that is when it's actually intended for healing. But we don't realize that. So in theta state, we are absorbing information into our psyche that we then interpret as societal norms. But these are not societal norms. This is a program that is actually deliberate. So I'll give you a prime example real quick. When you look at a motherfucking... A sitcom that makes you laugh, makes you feel like you are being truthfully entertained. Like damn, they kind of depict something in my family. You see them all come downstairs in the morning, eat a bowl of fucking cereal. So you're looking at these niggas eating the cereal. The kids is eating the cereal, the wife is eating the cereal, the husband is eating the cereal all before they go to they they go to school, go to work, and you interpreting them as a happy and successful family. Well now subconsciously you believe that this eating cereal is symbolic with a happy and successful family. So now you're feeding your kids this goddamn cereal. The problem with the cereal is, is that it's actually a fast track to fatty liver and diabetes. You just don't realize that. You give your kid that for 14 years, best believe that's where they gonna end up. You heard me? So that's the the point that I'm trying to make is I've come to realize that through your screens, if you provide enough content, through your screens, you can indoctrinate people. We're all capable of it. There's a responsibility with entertainment, particularly through a screen, with education. And so what I've done is I said, I'm going to adopt the same model. If you can't beat them, join them. But I'm just going to use that exact same entry point, state of state, to deliver a message that I believe is actually beneficial to a motherfucker.
0: You know what? T.Y. Jackson is smart. He a smart dude. He know what to do. He know how to entertain. He know how to inform. He knows how to reach people. You have a very loyal
1: following, bro. I'm not even going to lie. You got a loyal following, these, these are facts. In fact, if you don't know this, I'm going to throw this at you. If you don't, if you ain't aware of this, I'll tell you what happened. I started doing this shit in 1999. And then I got online in 2010. I actually did a bunch of skits for HBO. And them bitches are still on. That's why when you hear these cocksuckers talking about how I stole lay Style, and these motherfuckers was in jail when I was building this motherfucking empire, I can't even take them seriously. I don't see. I don't do the street cred thing. You don't see me going back and forth with these cocksuckers because I'ma hit their ass with that cease and desist. I'ma follow that shit over the defamation of character lawsuit. You heard me? That's how I get down. I don't I, I street cred don't do nothing for my GPA. Street cred ain't gonna do shit for your motherfucking credit score. FICO don't give a fuck about your street cred. You heard me? So this is the issue that we get confused with. So my point anyway, I don't want to get on this shit, but my point is is that. What I've come to do, I started my shit digital. I've been 20 years for real. I've been 20 years in this bitch, 10 years digital. And what I did was I actually started back in the day doing my shit on something called Justin TV, where I do a live stream show every Sunday, breaking down steps to understanding and identifying your purpose. Because without whether you won't accept it or not, without a sense of purpose, you just basically floating in the wind like flatulence. You heard me? So what I decided was I was going to stick with it. So I created my first course back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Put that shit on YouTube. Within two episodes of that, I got acknowledged by uh, a, a writer for the New York Times. She ended up doing a full page write-up on my shit because I had somebody call into the show uh, and started confessing about how she had been molested and what she believed some of the psychological tolls were and didn't know what step to take next. So she talking to TJ. And I ain't had no choice but to give her that game. So once I gave her that game, I really impressed. I guess some of these white folks up there at these white newspapers. And then they reached out to nigga, and that's when I started getting my real bump. And then after that, just a lot of other folks start to catch on. The problem with it is, it's a hard shoulder. It's a hard shoulder to endorse because the nigga's so real with it. You know what I'm saying? I don't really cut my vernacular. I ain't finna cut my vernacular. I ain't finna tame off nothing. I made this specifically for the folks, for the demographic of people who will never go to a self-help seminar, who will never sit in front of a, a therapist such as yourself, who will never take the time to be introspective. I had to figure out a way. Once again, like I said, I had to figure out that gateway. I had to figure out that portal to reach them. The manifest, manifestation of Tijuana Jackson was born. So you got a lot of
0: sons, TJ. I didn't know it was like that. I didn't know, because
1: I think about all of these Life coaches
0: that's popping up like on YouTube, and they got this person. It's a couple of them dressing like you, too, Keep it a thousand. They, they low key, they jockey. I see them a lot, and I wonder like where they come from. And it
1: turns out they, they your sons, you don't birth them 100%. And I'm and this the go the difference between them and me. I'm not, they are, I ain't clout chasing. I'm not out here telling nigga. Nigga, tell, nigga had the nerve to go public and say that I stole his style. Nigga just got out of jail five years ago. So what I'm trying to understand is, nigga, he said I stole his lifestyle when I made his movie. So what I'm trying to understand is what life, nigga, you was alive. you was in prison when he. Hey, I was being idolized while this nigga was being sodomized. You heard me? Now it's plenty to go around. You heard though. So I want these motherfuckers out there putting this message out. It's I need folks in the game. I need folks in the game delivering the information that's necessary for the betterment of our people. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help inspire another next motherfucker to bring it. The thing is, what I want them to understand is there's a difference between there's a difference between your emotional engagement, right? And being effective. Emotions might make you feel something, but just because you feel it don't necessarily mean it's real. You heard me? so you you done peeped out what's going on with the course my course is actually a legitimate five-step breakdown of the ways in which we lose in the united states of in the unhappy states of america and five ways that we can flip that so that we can win in the unhappy states of america i can give them to you right now one of the biggest problems we got in this motherfucker is one our culture we have failed to acknowledge economics. And when we say economics, we so lame with the shit that we interpret economics as finance. No, economics is basically human desire versus limited resources. Cuz we have unlimited human desire and we have resources. And resources could be anything. It could be human capital. Resources could be it could be oil, resources could be food. But we have human desire which is unlimited and we have a very limited source of supply and demand. We as black folks have been educated on a very, very minimalistic concept of what economics is, which is basically trading our time and our energy and our skill set for money. And that's all we understand of economics. So our failure to simply understand economics already puts us in last place. Okay. But then there's other aspects to it the sharecroppers' deal. A lot of niggas don't understand what the sharecroppers' deal is. But basically, back in the 1800s, after slavery, after they they so-called, they freed the so-called slaves. What all slaves was after they was freed was broke, was physically and psychologically broken, homeless motherfuckers with kids. And so the government, for a quick second, was like, we're going to give y'all reparations. They reneged on that shit. And then what the white folks did was all the people that owned the farmland and shit came to them and said, hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I can't give you 40 acres of new, but I can give you 20 acres, and all you got to do is you gotta, you gotta be the sharecropper. You gotta grow all this shit. You grow it, and you give me fifty percent of what you make, and over time you can earn the land. So the free slaves were like, "That sounds good." They get to, they get to growing their shit, and then they, they get cut off. Hold up now, slave master. The former slave master like, "I didn't tell you to grow no food now. Hold up now, nigga. You ain't growing no food on the land." We go, "Well, how me and my family gonna eat?" He go, "Oh, well, I got other niggas to grow food all day, but they don't get to own land like you. So if you want, you can buy that food from me." and before you know it they was making more money as slaves than they was as supposed to free slaves you understand that's the sharecroppers deal because now you are investing your time energy your human capital into a, a a product an entity to which you own no state and for whatever reason or other it does not enable you to get ahead so that's another reason that we fail because we are so complacent with the sharecroppers deal the third reason that we fail in this country not in, in the unhappy states of america Is because of the fact that we fail to identify our community. So what I'm saying is people automatically get pissed off when the white folks say, hey, you know, these black folks don't lump us all together. Niggas ain't all the same. But then we'll turn around some highfalutin motherfucking nigga go off and talk on some fucking news show and lump all niggas right back together. Well, well, nigga, where's this double standard coming from? Where the fuck the devil stand? No, you have to identify your community. And here, here it come. You ready for it? Wait for it. You ready for it?
0: Yeah.
1: Community is a verb. Like that. Community is a verb. Because there's a lot of people with the same you, but don't do the same thing that you do. They don't have the same value system as you. Hello. They don't interpret what you interpret as true. You get what I'm saying? So what we have to understand, they're, they're, oh. That's, That's rhyming. Come on, let's
0: go. Let's go. Grown man
1: bars. Grown man bars. Y'all ain't ready for this. Y'all ain't ready for these grown man bars. Oh. I'm trying to make a point though. And the point is, is that community is a verb. You identify your community by the people that are actually making an effort to bring about change in their pain points or their areas of pain point. Just because you black and sitting on the sofa don't make you part of my community. Fuck that. You got, the, you got the upperly mobile black community, you got the downwardly mobile black community, you got the apolitical black community, you got the hyper political black community. It's all kinds of communities. You have to identify your community, and your community must be in motion. Oh, it ain't a community, it's just a group of niggas. Thanks. So, That's the third reason. The fourth reason that we fail in this motherfucking country and we continue to lose in this fucking country is because of binary thinking. Like I explained in the beginning, you sitting in front of a TV from birth to the day that you die, you are fed information to interpret human beings as good guys and bad guys. You don't even realize it. But this paradigm shapes the way in which you interpret the world, the way in which you interpret your mate, the way in which you interpret your employer, the way in which you interpret the entire world is based on a binary thinking system of good guys and bad guys. Huh? So now ask me this how real is that if you believe that your God if you believe that the person the individual the spirit that you pray to is so incredibly evolved enlightened all seen why would you reduce that same God let's call it mother nature to being as simplistic as having the same binary thinking patterns as you I wait. Oh, wow. Look at that. My woke niggas quiet today. Woo! Look, my woke niggas quiet, bitch. Hey, man. Hey, man. Look, hey, y'all need to go on and put on some pants. This ain't fucking Zoom school, okay? Dress for this occasion. I'm about to change your fucking life, okay? And the number one reason that we fail to succeed in the United States of America is because we don't understand the EBIs of income. That's earned income, business income, and investment income. That's where we fail. So, what we don't understand is we we volunteer for the sharecroppers' deal and become employees. But we don't understand that there's a responsibility that comes with being an employee. First of all, if you're an employee, that income, the earned income, is the highest tax income of all income. Facts. Okay. That's the first thing you need to understand. So, you can be making 300 grand a year, but really only bringing home about half of that, a little more than half of that, maybe 160, because you're going to get taxed 40% on that bitch. Okay. Now, if you have a business income, if you if you want to set up yourself as an entity, small business, you have no employees or larger business. That's scalable. Okay, the point is, is that you can then file for an LLC or S Corp or C Corp or whatever is appropriate. And then you can write off all your business expenses and then you determine how many of your dollars is taxed. You can actually limit the amount of money that you pay to yourself and the money that you pay to yourself can then fall into whatever tax bracket you deem you deem uh, appropriate. Right. That's the second one. And then the third one is investment income. What a lot of motherfuckers don't understand is when you get capital gains, if you roll your capital gains into another investment, you don't pay no taxes on it. And when you do extract your capital gains in the United States of America, which is different from from other countries, but in unhappy states of America, if you extract your capital gains, you only pay up with 20 percent. 20 percent tax. Now, let's say you buy stock. Let's say you buy mutual funds. Let's say you buy index funds. Let's say you got a target date fund. You start taking dividends on all that bitch. You can you can take up to five hundred thousand dollars. In dividends and only pay. 15, 12, 13 percent tax on that money. You don't start paying 20 percent tax on dividends till they hit a million till they hit five hundred and sixty thousand. So you get a million dollars in dividends. And only pay 20 percent tax. And niggas sit there wondering why the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor. Oh, it's because y'all out there chasing paper. It's not about chasing paper. It's about chasing tax codes. And that's why you remain broke in America. Every single time you squander your earnings, when you are in the earned income category, you have a responsibility to prioritize a portion of that money to go towards investment income, whether you invest in the business you're going to start or whether you invest in, in other stocks, you know whether you invest in real estate, something that you can convert to dividends or capital gains. If you don't understand that, basically you a slave for life. So well, the, the point that I want to make was is that until you understand these brackets, you're forever losing. Every single time you squander your earnings, which are potential investments you reinforce the imprint slavery made on your DNA bars
0: That's a lot of game. That's a lot of game because lately it's interesting that you that this is even happening in the timing that it is because I've been talking about the corporate American culture of America being a slavery type of deal like they want you to live to um, to work and I want you to work to live. Like, even I was talking about a uh, couple episodes ago with Kyrie Irving, how Kyrie Irving was talking about, you know, I'm a human. You know what I'm saying? And, and I guess the, the question posed to him was, you know, how are you going to change the human perception? And he's like, I don't care about changing the human perception. Like, he's really he's really treating this NBA shit like a job. Like, he really ain't tripping. He over here saging his workplace before, court, like, going on the court with sage getting the energy right. He's taking time off, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's challenging people. So I took Kyrie's example and was like, look, like, how can we do this in our own jobs and kind of get an understanding that we are here to just get this money to help ourselves live more comfortably, or maybe it's a point A to point B. We're not here to be working a job we hate until we're 65 if we live that long, because some of us won't, unfortunately, only to retire with, what, barely a million dollars? Because a lot of people are still working even though they're retirement age they still working so it's like you giving your best years and you still a slave in your golden years and it's not it's not what's up
1: well first of all there's a lot of things i want to say about that i think that what uh mr irving understands is his work that that's where it starts and which is why i started this off with people not understanding economics when you understand economics you can better assess your work I'll give you a prime example. Let me show you how economics works. Let's just say that a woman gets caught cheating on her husband, a spiritual woman, a religious woman. She gets caught cheating on her husband with another woman. So rather than admit to her husband that she's a vegetarian, what she's gonna say is it was a demonic attack. So I need you now to take me to the pastor, make bigger fools of us so I can have this, this demon. Removed, she wants an exorcism. So now she don't realize though, what the pastor got, (laughs) the pastor got his his own thing. And he has been putting him in little boys for like 20 years. So she show up now to have this exorcism. But the truth of the matter is, all she had to really do is admit that she was a vegetarian. See, so this is exactly what you do when you don't understand economics. What you then do is, you then blame your shortcomings, you then blame your mishaps on proverbial demons. You blame them on things, the proverbial bad guy, because you don't have the, the wherewithal, the understanding of economics to add rhyme to reason, to use deductive reasoning to figure out what actually puts you in a situation that you do not desire, you see? In my personal opinion, economics and psychology go hand in hand, which is why you always hear me talk about metaphysical science, because metaphysics, philosophy, and science go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And that's what we in Western civilization fail to acknowledge. We fail to, we are very result-oriented people, but we skip the spiritual aspects of our success. That's why you see all these motherfuckers become successful. And then they sabotage, they self-sabotage because you cannot bullshit your demons. That's the first thing I want to say. So he seems to have an understanding of self-worth. That's the first thing I want to add to that. The next thing I want to say is, is that when you are in the workspace, when you are in a workspace or you are, you know what? I I, I don't want to dominate this. Please continue, continue talking. I, 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 I got too much to fucking say this evening. Okay. You see my nostrils playing and shit. Nigga pissed off.
0: I mean, I, I thought it was great what you were saying so far, but I just, my thing is this, like, especially as black folks in the workplace, it's, this is my personal opinion. I always believe that um American corporate um, culture is a byproduct of white supremacy, supremacy. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that, I think that everything that is dictated to be proper, not proper, Um, what's professional, what's not, what's fair, what's not. We have a pay wage gap. That's automatically a byproduct of white supremacy that's enforced in the workplace. So to me, it's I'm really big on making sure, again, like you said, people understand their worth and understand that you are working with or within a system like the sharecropper deals that was already set up for you to fail. So the question is, how are you going to navigate within that system if you choose to? Now, me personally... I'm, I'm pro-entrepreneurship. Now, I know everybody ain't built for that, and I understand and I respect it, but for me, I'm like, nah. Like, I need to get different sources of income, period. I realized that long, long ago. And I said, this is what we're going to do. So, hybrid entrepreneurship. I got something I make money with on the side. I have a day job that helps me fund my, 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 my basic living needs and stuff like that. And and once I get to a place where the the side becomes more profitable than the main, I'm, I'm dashing period. So that's
1: how, that's how I feel. It's understandable. You're going to eventually have your own practice. I completely respect that. You're living in your purpose. You know what your goal is. Listen, there's nothing wrong with industrial arts. Nigga charged me $150 an hour to fix my tennis toilet, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I ain't mad at a nigga that's working hard. It's just that you have a responsibility. It's key things you have to understand and live by in the event that you decide to fall into the earned income category. You can be a very successful employee. In fact, the truth of the matter is your your income is the most valuable asset you have. So you just have to understand how to use it. And what you need to understand is there's nothing stupider than a closet full of designer shoes when you're sitting in fucking quarantine having dates on Zoom with no fucking way to go. (laughs) You fucking door dashing your life to fuck. Hey, look, first off, If you're going to be an employee, you have to understand one thing. Employment is a stepping stone. It's not etched in stone bars. Okay. That's the first thing you need to understand. And the second thing you need to understand is that 10% of all your earnings must go towards savings. And when I say savings, I don't mean just putting your money in some bank that's giving you 0.25% on your fucking money. I'm talking about either a target date fund, an index fund, and a, a, a Roth 401k, it don't matter. It has to go to a profit generating, a profit generating account, period. Interest generating account. The third thing you need to know, and it's probably one of the most important, is that if your employee offers a program that matches or sponsors your 401k, you need to be, you need to be on it. So you need to take advantage of that because that's free money. He might match up to five, he might match five to 50% of what you put into your 401k. You are asked if you ain't taking advantage of it. Okay? And I don't want to hear it. I don't want you writing a check every fucking week. We in 2021. Automate that shit. Because when you automate it, you'll forget about it. And that's the, that's the deal. I lived in the hood long enough to know there's money to sit around and disappear. Now, the fourth thing that you have to understand when you are in the position of being uh, uh, an employee. The fourth thing, and and then also a a very big priority is that you're spending. You're spending. Niggas don't, niggas take their money light and wonder why their money light. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Look, man, you can't spell debt without EBT, homie. Buzz. Look, as I put it to my folks and I'm going to put it to y'all the same way, you have to relinquish the paradigm of prioritizing status over effectiveness if you are going to be an employee. Now, whether you know it or not, your spending habits depict that. Let's see these cufflinks. They look like they cost a million dollars, huh? $15 at the thrift shop, nigga. Cold as fuck. But the point is, the point is, your spending habits, Must be curtailed. You cannot be an employee earning income, paying the high with the most exploited and the most taxed income. Okay? And then squandering your money on high school status shit, clothes, cars. Nigga don't even own a house yet. Listen, you've been conditioned to interpret debt as a normal thing, but it ain't. That is your enslavement. When you look at your bills, when you look at your statements, you are looking at your at your slave master. Ironically, you've been so well-programmed that you will voluntarily enslave yourself. Boss. That is a boy. That's a boy.
0: I'm curious, though, CJ, what you think about credit? I've seen different perspectives on credit. Some people say cash is king. Some people say Get your credit up so you can leverage. So, like, what do you think about
1: that? There's multiple theories on credit. Okay, we're living in a society right now where credit card is almost mandatory. But look, I want to explain something. Credit. If you are looking at, are you speaking specifically on credit cards, or are you speaking spe- on, on a different type of credit? What type of credit are you speaking about? Because there's many cards. types,
0: like credit cards. Credit cards
1: through credit cards. I, I, I am a huge advocate. If you're going to carry any credit card debt, you need to understand a few things. First off, if you spend more, if you can spend 30% or below your credit card max, if you can keep it within 30% or below, that's a good reflection on your FICO score. If you can keep, your, if you can keep it below 10%, that's an immaculate reflection on your FICO score. But I'm a firm belief that you should never carry your credit card debt over to the next month. If you can't pay it off by the end of the month, you don't need it. And here's what niggas will tell you. They'll tell you, oh, no, man, I'm just using my credit cards right now for survival. Meanwhile, they waiting on they waiting on Uber Eats. That's not survival, sugar. You balling out of control. Having your food delivered is a privilege. You try talking about Uber Eats, okay, in some of the countries I've been to, real nigga shit, bars. So my point being, I personally do not believe in credit. I do not believe in carrying, transferring credit card debt from month to month. Credit card debt should be ended at the end of each month. Facts. And if you read the book, I Will Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi, financial advisor and author. If you read his book, what he breaks down, which is very interesting, is that there are credit cards out there that will provide you with, with bonus points and uh, a lot of other perks to incentivize you to use their credit cards. Mind you, what people don't understand that's important to know is that credit card average interest rate is somewhere around 16.83%. So if you so-called invest, let's say you're getting a 10% return on your investment, but because of inflation, and as I don't know how aware we are, because we don't really follow economics, but because of inflation, we usually range around worst case scenario, inflation happening or occurring at 3% per year. So basically that seven percent that 10% return is really 7%. So you got a 7% return on your money, and you paying 16.83% on your fucking credit card. Are you earning or are you losing? Buzz. <laughs> That's a lot of loss. That's a lot. It's a loss. You have to eliminate credit card debt. You have to prioritize eliminating credit card debt to actually be able to begin to realize your wealth. There's no reason that any motherfucker should be sitting on top of 16.83% interest rates paying that shit. You need to be getting that shit. That's why Einstein said interest, compound interest was the eighth one to the world. Now you can make it work for you or against you. Okay. You can be the top or you can be the bottom.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a bar.
1: That's a bar. Bar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you brought that down. So okay, so now I'm curious to know what you think about intellectual property. Because the same way you have some sons, I have some 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 people too. Um the only difference is that they have flat out took they tried to say my name. You can't that oh. that's being registered. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So yes. like, okay, so it's the cease and desist season for me too. So I totally understand. But I'm curious to know what do you think about IP as a as a well? I guess I guess yeah. So in terms of in the economical perspective, what do you think about having IP? I mean, technically that's that's a way to make money. I mean, if you do something with it, but you have to own a lot of your ideas too, in order to make the money, don't
1: you think? First off, let me make this really clear. I speak about everything I'm talking about, including what you just asked, in my course. Okay. In the section of my course where I break down the EBIs of income, I really speak on IP. I speak on intellectual property because I think it's very, I think it's underestimated and I think it's very important. And it is the future. So uh, to make sure to understand you, you, your question, you're just basically wanting to know what my opinion is about IP and its value.
0: Yes, they don't have to be in the course. I haven't even, cause for those that don't know, y'all, I'm actually in the course, like, like legit. So I'm in the beginning. So I haven't gotten to EBI's yet. So okay. I want you to get a game on the course, cause I think people should join the course, and I think it's a, it's a very affordable option. I mean, the course is cheaper than weed. You know what I'm saying? It's cheaper than liquor, cheaper than weed. So you know, put your wine money towards some game if you like. No shame, just saying. But I'm just more so wanting to get your just your, your aspect outside of the course in terms of IP and ownership
1: started my first internet business in 1996 within three months I was making $3,000 a month within six months I was making well within five months I was making $250,000 a year thanks what I learned from that business this is 1996 nigga this back look this back when the Nokia phone was still hot you heard me the point is is that what I learned from this was there's a lot of things that you can do uh first of first off uh you can put on your white voice. Second of all, it often eliminates the uh, the racial barrier. It eliminates the racial barrier. So people aren't able to judge your establishment. Now I'm one of these niggas that will slap a BLM sign on my fucking internet, on my website. You heard me? Fuck these folks. Cause I truly, I don't need your fucking racist business. Cause if I find out I might spit in your fucking food and get myself liable for some bullshit. But the point is, is that I think it's important that you understand intellectual property in today's market is probably one of the most beneficial things you can do for yourself and there's a number of reasons and I'm going to build up to them the first one is it reduces the need for intellectual property so for instance I have a course my course sells itself over and over and over again people are jumping in on my course The beautiful thing is, is the course exists by itself. I don't have to get up and teach the motherfucker every day. In fact, a lot of times I got a newborn in the house while I'm up there chilling with the newborn, changing his diaper and looking at him suck on his mama titty. This motherfucker's joining up my course. In fact, as we talking right now, as we talking right now, I want to shout out somebody named Jared who just joined the course. Congratulations, Jared. You just changed your life. Now. Welcome to five ways to win and lose in this America. Now, my point being is that what intellectual property does is it it reduces the need for human capital. So as a result of that, you don't have to be there while it's working on your behalf. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is, is that intellectual property, everybody got great ideas. What makes intellectual property distinguish itself is who's executing on those ideas, who is actually putting those ideas, materializing, putting those ideas into motion. So whether it's digital property, which I think is very important, whether it's a course, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, a YouTube channel, that's the something that's very important. Is that if you are not exercising your ability to create and generate an audience through your intellectual property or a following through your intellectual property or a customer base through your intellectual property, you ain't shit but a nigga with an idea. Thanks. Okay. The third thing I want to make clear about intellectual property is, is the way in which we interpret intellectual property today is actually very limited. The future has changed. Now, listen, a lot of people scream and go up and down and go crazy about what's called Bitcoin. I never gave a fuck about Bitcoin. I always gave a fuck about Ethereum. And I can break out my portfolio right now and let you know I'm heavily invested in Ethereum. I didn't buy Bitcoin until 2017 when I saw the hype bubble, because I know niggas invest emotionally. I saw the hype bubble. It got mainstream press. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon. I stacked my chips and waited for these niggas. As soon as that shit went down, I bought Bitcoin at $7,000 a share. Facts. But up until then, I only owned Ethereum. I bought Ethereum. At $142 a share in 2017. Prior to that, I bought Ethereum at like $90 a share. Ethereum is at $1,800 a share right now. But let me explain why Ethereum is so important. Because Ethereum is an open source platform that allows people from all over the world to collaborate on making the type of technology and constructing the type of technology that changes the world. And one of the things that's occurring is something called NFTs. NFTs means non-fungible tokens. What a non-fungible token. And just so we clear about this shit, I want to talk about IPs and and digital content real quick. You have to understand, Migos, all them albums you download, that's intellectual property. All them albums you streaming, that's intellectual property, just in case you didn't understand. okay? all that porn you watching, that's intellectual property, Wody. And the key is there's multiple ways to earn on, on intellectual property. You have to understand intellectual property can actually pose as a platform through which you can sell advertising, but it can actually pose as a platform through which you can sell outright, like, like a tangible good. You can put a price to it. You can create a membership around it. You heard me? It's multiple ways to engage intellectual property. But because of Ethereum and because of NFTs, which is non-fungible tokens, basically fungible just basically means like You can't duplicate the shit. Non-fungible means you can't duplicate the token. So ultimately you get to attach a digital code to a piece of intellectual property that cannot be replicated. So you can say, okay, I'll tell you what, I want to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to take my original album. I'm going to add some artwork to it. You know what I'm saying? You might want to throw in some personal tidbits that other people ain't going to be able to get when they buy your album. And you can price that album ridiculously. And you can make it only available to three people, three non-fungible tokens. That's it. It's a wrap after that. So somewhere down the line, you become hot, or maybe you die further down the line. And that non-fungible token, that album with the non-fungible token attached to it, ends up selling for like $800,000. The point of the matter is, is that every single time that person resells it, you are able to set it up so that even though you ain't present, you are able to get 10%, 20, 30% commission on every transfer of that item. So I put some shit on there. The Tijuana Jackson Academy, right? So I got a Tijuana Jackson Academy uh, a non-fungible token. With this Tijuana Jackson non-fungible token, if you own it, you get access to all things Tijuana Jackson for free. And you get the Tijuana Jackson care package just thrown in with it. And you get the personal Now, somebody has that. Let's say that tomorrow, LeBron James goes, yo, this Tijuana Jackson shit, the truth. All of a sudden, everybody's interested. The nigga goes, damn, I bought this non-fungible token for $10,000, but you know what? People want to buy this shit for like $80,000. I'm selling that shit. I've got it set up to where I get a 10% commission. So he resold the shit, and I got a commission on it. I was asleep. Nigga, I was taking my newborn on a stroll. That's how the game of non-fungible tokens work with IPOs, with works with digital content. And so we have to start getting our minds wrapped around the concept that the future is not the brick and mortar. The future is actually an IPO. The problem with it is that niggas don't respect it. And so what I've learned is through legal proceedings, I've learned that if you are in practice of it, it doesn't matter. You actually have to make sure to copyright your content. That's your responsibility. You have to make sure the patent was yours. You have to make sure the trademark was yours. So when niggas cross that line, you sue their ass. You sue them. That's how people learn in this country. You hit them in their pocket. You hit them in their bottom line. I'm gonna tell you something that I do. This is one thing I love to do. I walk into an establishment, and I and I hate to sidetrack, but this is something I, I want you to understand so that I can put what I just said in the context. I walk into an establishment. This motherfucker, he's gonna give me the racist treatment, he's gonna make me jump through hoops. To buy the same bottle of alcohol the nigga in front of me buying. I got some guests. They waiting on me to bring back some drinks. White boy come in front of the line. He buy the shit, no problem. I come in front of the line. This motherfucker, he don't don't know if my ID real. It's the same ID that nigga gave. He want me to get my passport and shit. Okay. I got something for your ass. I'm going to give you something better than the passport. I went and made like 30 picket signs the next morning. Then I went and hired like 30 homeless motherfuckers to come and pick it outside the store with me. Nobody crossed that fucking picking line. They were scared to catch something. But after about a week of that, we hurt that nigga bottom line. Next black man and walk in walk nigga got treated like Eddie Murphy. They gave that nigga the red carpet. You heard me? And that's the point that I make. is that people in this country don't respond until you abuse their bottom line. You choke a nigga pockets long enough, you'll find a way to cough up some respect. You heard me?
0: You just gave me a very good game when it comes to power and how people forget that when they band together, there is power in that. For instance, I just seen something less than twenty four hours ago. You heard about Tailfair, the black designer that got the bags, the little TC bags that sell out all the time. No. Well, Tailfair is this guy that makes his own bags. He has like a raised design to where like it it pokes up through the leather or the. The, the pleather or vegan leather, whatever you choose. And these bags are so popular, they sell out within minutes. It's to the point where people have gotten bots involved to steal the, the bags to where he has like a bag security program now where you put down a bag, you wait a few months, but your bag won't always be there. So Guess, the, the brand Guess was like, ooh, we finna do that too. They, they put their G symbol with a circle around it and started selling it. Black Twitter, you know how black Twitter do. We was all so mad that guests took it down. And that was only a couple of days. So it's interesting that you talk about this power thing because it does exist. It does. And I'm just, it's just really interesting how you how you just how that just comes
1: up. Well, here's what's more interesting. The niggas will do that for a designer bag, but they won't do that for local employee rights. It's ironic. It's fucking ironic, ain't it? Yeah, it is. Look, man, like I said, community is a verb. That's the other thing that I explain is binary politics when I speak in this course. Helping people understand something is that when. OK, let me get back to this IPO shit. And I'm coming right back to that. But my <laughs> point is basically being is, is that I believe and I can actually teach. you. I, I actually I did a crowdfunding campaign in which I raised two hundred thousand dollars to make my own fucking movie because nobody in Hollywood was willing to uh, endorse financially. Uh, even though they all love the nigga, be trying to suck a nigga dick off camera and shit, they couldn't endorse a motherfucker that was as raw as my shit. Heard me? So as a result, they had to disassociate themselves. So I went and made my own fucking movie. So I just got a check for $107,000 because my distributor got to pay me when my movie sell. Now these motherfucking Hollywood niggas want me to come make a studio movie. For what, nigga? For what? <laughs> my movie ain't been out a year my movie ain't been out a year nigga i done seen i done seen more revenue from this motherfucker than i ever seen on a gig matter of fact let me not let me not go too far i'll just say this i'm gonna just say this i don't need you now and this is the whole point of intellectual property is that you have to understand that this concept of just putting something out there and see what it does doesn't work there's a strategy to it there's a method, there's devotion, it's hard work. Just because it's digital don't mean that it don't require long-term devotion. One of the biggest problems that we have in this country, and one of the reasons that people keep jumping onto this cryptocurrency concept, jumping in there, buying stocks with no knowledge of how to figure out a stock's intrinsic value, jumping into IPO, IP, me, jumping into IP intellectual property and digital, digital content, is because they want a quick fix. Niggas is trying to get over quick. There is no quick fix home. And the problem with the quick fix is even if you did hit the lottery, it's going to be gone because you did not learn what it took to acquire it in the first place. What you want, you want replicable success. You want replicable success, which means that whatever it took to get you there in the first place, in the event that all shit went wrong and the bottom fell out, you, Replicate that success. You have that, Marie. You have that. You have that. You have. You are incredibly well spoken. You have five years of experience. You have an education, which I I commend. You have purpose. You have that. If it all, if, if they all decided to bad talk you today, you have the wherewithal, the insight, and knowledge to flip the game and make it work for you, be richer than you are today. Thanks. But that's the problem with quick money. Quick money. You hit the lotto, you get a lucky strike. The problem with it is, is that if you don't know how to replicate it, you ain't rich. You just lucky. Mm You get what I'm saying? And again, you don't understand how to, we don't understand how to maintain it, how to sustain it. And that's really the key. It's not what you make, niggas, what you keep. Buzz. So, now. Moving back to the next part of this. Let's get back to the bags. Did I answer your question on intellectual property?
0: Yes, but I have a quick question. So with this, cause I peed, I peed you doing your own your own movie. And I, and I was wondering, I said, dang, why, how come T.J. can't get this T1 Jackson movie? Through the through the studios. I said, why would he do this independently? And I said, it must be something. And they get assumption, cause I don't know. I, I ain't there, you know? But I'm like, it maybe it was some political. Maybe they wasn't supporting. I I just didn't understand. I'm like, Tijuana Jackson have been everywhere. So I'm like, how does, I I, I wonder what the logic was behind that movie, but you've explained that now. So I think that's interesting. Are you teaching how to do those type of crowdfunding campaigns too?
1: I have a whole, it gotta be two hours long on YouTube. Right now you can go look up crowdfunding tips with Tijuana Jackson and I give you a whole breakdown. And if you hit me up, I'm going to send you a letter that's probably considered a violation, but they all the folks, listen, man, look, man, nigga, call me at 954-228-8380 when you find the fucking lie, buzz. okay? Hit me up. You need some crowdfunding information? Hit me the fuck up, and I'll send you some shit. I'll tell you how it really works. People don't understand the crowdfunding campaign. What motherfuckers will sell you a story. They will sell you a story of hope and hope that you will buy their story. Them is facts. And so what the crowdfunding campaign game is, really, is a lot of times it's corporate entities funding something that they are presenting and pretending to be an independent entity. But they then use what this corporate funding does to make the, to make this independent thing seem successful. And people are, are, are dick riders. Motherfuckers didn't even jump on my campaign until my campaign started looking successful. Heard me? That's how it goes. So a lot of times you got to be careful what platform you use, because a lot of these platforms is really just a corporate entity presenting something that they want to sell as an independent entity when it's not, it's actually corporate backed. And then the corporate entity funds it. It then ends up on the heaters page, on on, on the hot things to look for page of that of said platform, crowdfunding campaign platform. And it gets all these extra contributions. But the truth of the matter is, it didn't need to be in this little independent crowdfunding platform in the first place. And that's why a lot of motherfuckers get up there and can't succeed is because you're actually competing with huge, huge entities. And that's why you have to know this part of the game in order to successfully, in order to successfully uh, uh, experience a crowdfunding campaign. I'll give you one rule thumb right out the bat. First off, in a crowdfunding campaign, you never ask for what you want. You ask for 50% of what you want because a successfully crowdfunding campaign is always funded within 200 to 1,000% of asking. That's what a successful crowdfunding campaign is going to do. So. The other thing is, is that you make sure that you use a platform that has an address correcting, in in any event that you want to mail out your perks, it has to have an address correcting interface. Meaning if I enter my address and I make a mistake and spell something wrong, it's going to correct it and say, did you mean this address? Because otherwise you are trading a bunch of work for yourself. Half the motherfuckers that enter shit is going to enter with an error. Literally 60%, on average, 60% of the people that enter information, enter incorrect information. That's a fact. OK, so you don't want to create that headache for yourself. A third thing is, is a lot of times there's a hustle in the game. That a lot, nigga, let me tell you all something. Nigga, you know what? Look, man, let me tell you all something. When it's game time, the clan stops. And it's game time. If 2020, if 2016 and 2020 showed you anything, there will be no mercy for their nigga, their woman or child. Heard me? So back to what I was saying is that what you got to understand is hustle that A lot of niggas do it. They'll start a crowdfunding campaign. They'll raise 75% of the money, and then they'll say, oh, we didn't make, and then they'll stop promoting it and say, we didn't make our quota. They'll then take the money that they earn, keep the shit, and launch another campaign. 75% of the people who contributed to the first campaign are likely to contribute to the second one. Them is facts, too. They built that database and then exploited it for more money. Facts. Now. I see, you, I see you thinking, <laughs> speak your mind, speak your mind.
0: It's a
1: game. It's a game, it's, it's, a, a game. It's, it's a game. And so now when that crowdfunding campaign for that major entity pretending to be an indie gets funded, they do this whole campaign. We are so lucky. We can't believe y'all with their white voice. We can't believe y'all got behind this product like this. Meanwhile, the only nigga behind the product is some motherfucking major corporation. <laughs> Real nigga shit. <laughs> I'm pickling myself, nigga. <laughs> you know, and th- th- that's how it is. And so now they done sold you a story of hope. You're like, oh, wow, everybody behind it. It must be something. Let me put some money in there. Let me buy the product. That's the game. Niggas will sell you a story of hope and hope that you're going to buy their story. Balls. Wow.
0: Damn, I, I might need to find that. I got to find that on YouTube. I need to understand the game. I didn't know it was like that. I had a couple people start. I've seen people on the internet start their own crowdfunding stuff and I see how hard it was for them because they was truly independent then I see some of the other stories that literally get funded like almost like a hundred percent more like it's almost like an overwhelming story of winning so you're right it does give you that trick of oh maybe I could do something like that but then I look at some of the people I know and they still struggling and I'm talking like on a, a $10,000 campaign a $40,000 campaign not let alone like something that's a six-figure campaign. So the wheels in my head are like turning right now because now I'm like, I got to jump on that 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 um, that um two-hour training so I can better understand it because to be honest, I don't understand how that works.
1: I, I don't want to cut you off, but I'm going to show you something real quick on the crowdfunding tip that I want you to understand.
0: Okay.
1: Most motherfuckers that do a crowdfunding campaign, they don't understand what it takes. They don't understand it. So they, they launch fucked up. First off, if you are listening to this and your intention is to start a crowdfunding campaign, the first thing you need to do right now, is go start a bank account. We're going to call it your escrow account. But you're going to go start a bank account that you're going to put all monies into, specifically relating to your crowdfunding campaign. Because this, is, this entity is a business. You want to separate it from all funds. The second responsibility you have, now that you have a bank account with the name of your project as the primary name on that account, is you're going to turn to your relatives And you're going to ask them right out the gate how much they're going to give you. Because the truth is, a successful crowdfunding campaign raises 30% of that money before the campaign even launches. Boss. If you don't have 30% of asking within four days of starting your campaign, (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Good luck, nigga. (laughs) Woo! Hey! Nigga, I'm hot like a food truck. Hey, look, look. (laughs) The second thing you got to understand about the crowdfunding campaign is that those of us who are buying into the hype are actually launching the campaign emotionally. The campaign in itself, in, in and of itself, is a business and probably one of the hardest things you will ever do. So as a result of that, due diligence has to be there like buying a house. You have to do all of your research. And the Content, the information that is available to you for crowdfunding campaigns is endless, but it's a lot of people are selling you bullshit. So, like I said, the first game, the first part is that. The second part is, you want to get as close to a financial com- commitment as you can from your following before you launch that campaign as well. So, you got thirty percent that you raise from your from your family, friends, neighbors, whoever. You could even do it with your following. Some people like to see something in motion. Once you get it started, you have other methods for obtaining income where you start engaging your audience. The mistake is I see a lot of people who start crop celebrities who start crowdfunding campaigns to get them goose eggs. They Don't get shit because they just automatically assume niggas is going to come off their cash. Nigga, that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake. So when you engage your audience and you're asking your audience for money, there's a multitude of things you can do to incentivize them, one of them just being perks. But the key is, is a lot of us will start the crowdfunding campaign and we'll ask too much. We'll have, we'll literally say, okay, a person can give a minimum of $10 for this perk, 15 for this perk, 25 No, you don't want a few people giving you a bunch of money. You want a bunch of people giving you a little bit of money. So every nigga to give you a dollar and 25 cents is a gold mine. So what you want is, if you want 100,000, you want to get 100,000 niggas to give you a dollar. You know what I'm saying? You don't want two niggas to give you 50 grand. The likelihood of 100,000 niggas each giving you a dollar twenty-five is a lot higher than two niggas giving you 50 grand. Heard me? Real nigga shit. Then, another thing that I learned probably too late, because I didn't get to implement this, is that you can accept cryptocurrency as a means of funding your campaign so the platform through which you are raising money doesn't have to be the only platform through which you are raising your money you understand Mm -hmm. so you can raise money in other platforms as well that maybe don't charge as big of a fee make sure you understand what and how much the platform you are using charges you and the other thing is when you give perks i think it's very important to give digital perks over material perks whether you're going to read whether uh uh whether you're gonna do a, 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 a spoken word poem for a motherfucker, or you're gonna do a personal interview, or you're gonna do like a you're gonna do a Snapchat takeover on, on their platform, you can do that kind of shit because it's a hell of a lot easier than having to mail out shit to a bunch of motherfuckers who's too stupid to enter their fucking address correctly. Thanks. Okay. So. I'm getting heated because I got like 500 fucking orders sitting in my goddamn fulfillment center that I still can't send out because some nigga don't know how to enter his fucking house address. Sorry. Sorry. I'm doing the anger management thing like the one you teaching. I'm doing that too. (laughs) I
0: feel you. (laughs) I haven't had many orders. Have address issues, but boy, you be—I not got to sweat in a couple of times where I'm like, they be like, "Where's my package?" I'm like, that, "That's the wrong address." Okay, I'm only going off of what
1: I know. That's because that's because you are smart enough to use an address correcting platform. You're probably using Shopify or some type of platform through which people and it automatically corrects. You got platforms out there like IndieGoGo that don't have that interface. I'm just keeping it hunting. I hate to be calling names, but you need address correcting. It you need address. That part of the interface is mandatory for a crowdfunding campaign. Now, let me just move on to one last thing, and then I'm going to shut my trap on this one, because I think I'm, I, I'm going on too long on this crowdfunding campaign shit. But, okay, so we've covered the, 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 the concept of all that. Use your crowdfunding campaign. A lot of times, hold on, hold on one second, because the nigga needs some lotion. Hold on a fucking second. <laughs> I just saw my hands on your shit and scared the shit out of myself. Let me get some lotion. Hold up! Hold up! Yeah, we back. Yeah. Back like El Debarge, bitch. Hold on. Okay. So, like I was saying to you, use your crowdfunding campaign. Look, there's a lot of there's a lot of platforms that call themselves heat seeker platform. Now, what a heat seeker platform is is that what they do is they monitor all the crowdfunding campaigns that are successful, and then you get all this press. You've succeeded, you've hit your mark. So you get all this press, which brings more awareness to your project. When I was doing my shit, I saw three black crowdfunding campaigns that were doing damn well, and none of them, none of them got any acknowledgement in any of them heat-seeker programs. Hmm. So the racial bias maybe, or maybe the the, the content wasn't as uh, interesting, or maybe the people attached to the, con- the, 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 the projects wasn't as interesting to these heat-seeker platforms. But you have to create your own heat-seeker platforms. And so what I mean by that is I use my crowdfunding campaign. This is just an example. I use my crowdfunding campaign as a means of attracting investors. You get that? Yeah. So what I did was I, let, I went to investors and I did an ask. That's one of the most vulnerable things you will ever do as a business person. But any business person I know that's successful, you, they have to ask for someone to endorse their product. They have to ask someone to invest in their product. They had to ask for, tut- for tutelage, mentorship. They had to ask, okay? And the problem with a nigga that, that has a problem being vulnerable <laughs> is that he better get comfortable with being broke. Okay, so my point basically being use the crowdfunding campaign as a means of attracting investors. So what I did was I went to investors, told them what I was trying to do. I didn't tell them what I needed either. But I said, I'm going to go do a crowdfunding campaign just to get a sense. Meanwhile, I put all this work into this shit. But I did the crowd, I presented the crowdfunding campaign to the investor as casual. I'm going to just see what people think. I ain't let these niggas know how much work I really put down, how much groundwork I laid, how I'd already raised, 30, raised 30% of the money before I started the fucking campaign. I just told the investor, I'm going to just see what people think. Maybe there's an audience for it. I might be tripping. And when that motherfucker woke up, and looked at that crowdfunding campaign and saw that this shit was damn near 50% funded in two, two, in like less than a week. Oh, he called me. Hey, what if I gave you and offered me more than I was asking? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you create your own heat seekers. Make them invest. You understand? That's this is game. This is game. Bars. this is game. Like I said, when it's game time, the playing stop. Hurt me? I hear
0: that.
1: Go ahead, go ahead. Give me my flowers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean,
0: that's it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Cause I'm thinking, because I never liked to do crowdfunding. I just was turned off with of the idea. I was like, it just doesn't seem right. But for some reason, it wasn't registering with me. And it's because now that you're explaining it, it's because I didn't know. I, I don't I don't know how it works. So it's just interesting to see you give the game like that because it's just like, damn, it really could work. And and to be honest there's so many things I want to do with spiritual homegirl and make peace with the day. And that's a, that's a sub brand that I do underneath my piece, uh, spiritual homegirl. It's like corporate meditations. Um, again, my own version of stress uh, management stuff and things like that, life skills stuff. So it's like, there's so many things I want to do that would require investors. And I think people kind of look at crowdfunding as like a, a bottom of the barrel type of, Oh, you're asking other people, but low key, it's the same thing as asking an investor, For money, to me, it's the same thing. You're crowdfunding, but just it's a public way to crowdfund. It's not like a private pitch meeting where you're asking for like a five-figure, six-figure investment. You're asking the people that's right next to you, like, yo, like, this is what I'm finna do. Y'all, are y'all down the ride? I got something for you if you want to support, you know what I'm saying? But this is what I'm wanting to do and I want your help to help me do that. To me, it seems similar.
1: I'm gonna tell you something. You are extremely capable of pulling this off. You got enough game right now and intel- intelligence to take what I've just said, investigate on a deeper level, and extract information that I probably haven't even thought of. You do. Now, I like what you said. Oh, it's the bottom of the barrel. I'm going to tell you a little story. Tell you a little, little quick story. And this goes back to all these niggas in the world losing in style. Nigga look good, but all he got is a citation in his fucking Gucci wallet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whoop you park outside the courtroom ain't guaranteeing you coming up out that motherfucker fex bars. The point that I'm trying to make is when I first wanted to do my crowdfunding campaign, my manager came to me and he said, I don't think it's a good look. You being all established celebrity, it might not be a good look for you to be asking people for money. It's just not a good look. Now, this is the same nigga that told me for two years he was going to raise the money for the movie. So I thought about what he said. And I said, you know. He said, as an established actor. And I stopped him. I said, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. You don't fuck, fuck my shit up now. You think I'm an established actor? He said, yeah. Look at your body of work. I said, well. Wouldn't an established actor, no, I said, define established. He went down and run down, you're able to do this, you can do this. But wouldn't an established actor be able to raise a few hundred thousand dollars to make an independent movie that he believes will further his cause? Right. He stopped. And when I broke it down to him, I said, we have to redefine these words for ourselves. Right. D- redefine success for me, redefine established for me I'm an est- I'm established now because every motherfucker is asking me to come direct their next fucking movie they asking me to write and direct their next shit, they asking me to be in their shit they want to make that studio film now oh I'm established now <laughs> but then for my standard, I was far from established so then I explained to him I said look by my standards, I'm far from established. I'm working. I'm not working towards fame. I'm working towards autonomy. I invest more time in Tijuana Jackson than anything else in my career of entertainment. Why? Because I don't need when my son, my newborn is six years old, for a job to be telling me we got to go live in Vancouver, British Columbia. No, I'm not going to live that life. I'm going to be where the fuck I want to be because I invested those last six years in Tijuana Jackson, not in Hollywood. Fuck Hollywood. So, I said to this nigga, wouldn't establish being able to determine my whereabouts? Wouldn't establish be being able to determine my income? Wouldn't establish be being able to determine where my profits were, were, were generated from? And he was like, I got you. You know what the nigga gave me? He gave me he gave me some insight. I learned right then and there. No problem. I went and started my crowdfunding campaign. I did my own thing. I started the shit. I had the money raised. Thirty percent of the money raised before I started it. I had already talked to like six investors. I had my investors on deck. One investor gave me ten grand. Another investor gave me like two hundred grand. It's crazy. I had but I had it all set up. They didn't give me that money till they started the campaign busting off. When they start popping off, they all came in like, okay. So, what did it teach me? Now, everybody pull out their pads because this is important. Sometimes you got to start your party. Pour yourself a drink. Put on the fucking music. Get on the dance floor by yourself. And then send out the invitation. People are more likely to jump at the chance to participate in an event that is happening rather than an event that is just talking. A potential event can't compete with an event in motion. That's what I learned. I do everything this way. You didn't hear nothing about this fucking course until this course was in motion. Now everybody at me about the fucking course motherfuckers want the course on netflix and shit oh you want it now of course you do it's in motion it's called you ready for it hold your hat hold your hat because it's about to get breezy in this bitch it's called proof of concept and for all you niggas who don't understand let me break it down to you long before mumble rap long before all these other niggas it was niggas in the game like a rapper named too short Nigga had a song called Freaky Tales. These are the tales I tell so well. I knew this girl. Her name was Dawn. Took her to the crib, had it going on. Got all the dick. I laid her on the couch till the break of dawn. I got all the dick in her because her legs are gone like that. Okay. Them ain't, them ain't, look, them ain't two short lyrics, but that's the concept of the song. Right. <laughs> now, let me tell y'all how this nigga shit came about. There's a lot of other rappers in the same thing. This nigga made the shit, couldn't get no radio play. Why couldn't he get no radio play? Because the lyrics was too dirty. So niggas was bumping the instrumental. Bo, 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 bo. Bo, do, do, bo, bo, bo. Bo, do, do, bo, do, bo, do, 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 do. Bo, do, 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 do. And all you hear is freaky. tales, tell, tales. That's all you hear. College radio played it. They wouldn't play the lyrics. So this nigga would play the shit from his car. In the Bay Area and sell them out the trunk. But what else he did that was real cold was he got the people he was selling radio, selling it to, to call the radio station. Y'all got to play this shit. Man, these radio stations went out of their way trying to beep out all those bad words. It was so fucking funny. Should sound like Morris Code over the fucking radio. <laughs> now, here go the funny shit though. The nigga's selling and making money out his Trump. because the local radio play in the Bay Area is getting interest. Support from the local college station is getting interest. So before you know it, the Churban, mainstream radio station, got to play the shit too. Heard me? Now, here go, here go, here go, here go, here go the genius shit. Record labels at this point were now getting past the concept of let me find a band, let me polish the band, let me spend millions of dollars getting the band together before putting the band out. No. You know what they was doing? They picking up a copy of Billboard. And being like, Who the fuck getting 103 spins a month in Oakland? Right. Who getting 300 spins a month in, in in San Francisco? Some nigga named Too Short. Who the fuck is Too Short? I don't know no nigga named Too Short. Well, go find him. Hey, Too Short, uh, we don't know how you're doing this, but we got enough money to multiply these efforts. Meaning, we can take whatever you're doing here and do it in about 50 states across the country. Are you willing? And that's how they ended up creating a deal. Proof of concept. Too short, the rapper showed them that his content was of value to a specific demographic. And he provided them with who the demographic was and how he went about selling it and how they would go about playing it on the radio. And then a bigger entity came along and said, well, damn, that's all you got to do. We got the funds to make that happen. Same thing applies today, family. Same thing applies today. You want to make some shit happen. You can't expect other people to invest more in your concept than you. So you do the groundwork and create what's called proof of concept. And quite often proof of concept is a, is a successful crowdfunding campaign. Proof of concept is a five year podcast that has generated a legitimate and significant follow. Proof of concept is actually establishing an entity that is scalable and, and working. Too many niggas expect you to jump on and support their shit just because they niggas. I don't know you, nigga. Or you think just because we black, we got something in common? It wasn't niggas doing the cabbage patch at clan rallies last election. Fuck you. I don't know you. <laughs> Community's a verb, bitch niggas. Do something I give a fuck about. You want my money. That's facts. Cabbage patching at the
0: Klan rallies. Ooh. You're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> you show me who you is and what you capable of through your actions. Where you put your money. I don't care what you say. Niggas is yapping all day. Proof of concept that goes for this crowdfunding campaign that goes for business. It goes for politics. Proof of concept. Shit, it go for relationships. Show me consistency. You want this love. This has been
0: so so insightful like damn so proof of concept we talked about ipos we talked about the course we talked about gosh we talked about so much
1: we talked about ips we didn't talk about ipos ipos is yeah. the initial public offering when somebody's turning into turn want to go public with their company
0: okay just touched on that briefly just now okay so IPs though, <laughs> IPs though, nfts Man, we have gotten this so, so. I'm just, the wheels in my head are turning. So bear with me because I'm thinking. I'm like, dang. I'm I, personally, I got proof of concept. I'm thinking you're right. Five year podcast, two hundred plus episodes. I done did events. I done did virtual events. I do work in the in the streets. Like I have a proof of concept. So I guess I, I'm just automatically like flipping it. Like dang, like I have a proof of concept and stuff. So a lot of stuff is just turning in my in my head with my own. My own get
1: down, so you had to bear with me. I'm just kind of like, hey, i No, to- nah, Maria, I, I have this effect. This is this is what I do. I've been, I'm not I'm, look, look, I don't wanna look, look, I don't want to come off like I think I'm sweet Dick Willie. I just have this effect. It's that I have a tendency to initiate. I do this with my cousin. I talk to my cousin, she just gets silent on the nigga. Cause I got her wheels turning. Yeah. She wanna go, she's inspired, she wanna go do work. I do this to everybody. That's what this course is. The reason the course is where it's at. The reason my movie is where it's at is wow. because I have a gift and my gift is to put things in perspective in a way that make you feel as though they are immediately applicable, which they are. That's the problem. I don't give a fuck about how you feel. I don't give a fuck about emotion. I don't get, I, I'm not wasting my time worrying about who's racist. What I'm working on is focusing my efforts in the areas to squash the adversary to squash the racists, that empower the people. And when I say the people, I'm talking about the people who are interested. I ain't trying to coach niggas off the lazy boy. You got to meet me halfway. Nigga, like we say in prison, nigga, you want to do work, you got to meet me in the fucking rec shop. Me. I ain't trying to coach niggas out the cell. No, I'm only fucking with folks that's fucking with me. And that's the whole point. The point is, is that I have a gift. My gift is to articulate, interpret, in- interpret and articulate things in a way that you can actually apply. I'm not here to exploit. I'm not here to take advantage of. I'm not here to to manipulate you through emotions. My goal, my game is to drop game that you can actually apply immediately. So I just want to say one more thing while your wheels are turning. I want you to understand one other thing. There are stages to your crowdfunding, stages to building your business. You have, and as you're hitting these stages, you have different markets. So I just gave you an example of how I went to, to, to invest before I kicked off my crowdfunding campaign. Understood that? You got to know your markets. The way that I marketed to the investor is different from how I marketed to my digital audience. So you have to honor each. That's going to help you package yourself effectively. So how you package your shit for your, for your inv- potential investors, is going to be different from how you package your shit to your podcast file. It's going to be different from how you package your shit to your family. Hurt me? Mm. So, I love that your wheels are turning. I love that. That's What, what you are experiencing, tr- truth is inspiration. That's what it is. Don't waste no time fucking debating race with no Russian troll, nigga. Spend your time right where Maria is spending her time. She working on action steps as we speak. We in the middle of an interview. I'm watching her formulate action steps. And you wonder why she got it and you don't. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Boss. So look, make sure that when you are putting together your package, make sure that you understand your approach to each market is appropriate. Heard me?
0: I receive all of this. Oh my goodness! Okay, honestly, I could have Tywan Jackson on this show whenever about whatever because it's so much game that comes through. Like, like even with the movie, the movie I learned one of the funniest lines was like something like a wise man speaks when he has something to say. A nigga just talks because he because he cause he to talk basically. Like he's he just, always got
1: to say something.
0: Yeah exactly i knew I, I knew i had messed up that line but, <laughs> but basically what i took from that was like you know continue to be intentional with what you have to say just don't talk for the sake of talking like you know what i'm saying like make sure what you're speaking is is impactful you know what i'm saying take your time if you have to be silent if you have to be still if you have to but speak with intention like i like that and then what i thought was interesting was um the unity the unity piece with the family The unity was dysfunctional. Well, it didn't exist really for the the majority of the movie with Tijuana Jackson and your family. But I realized towards the end, everybody gets on the same page and everybody is not only working together as a unit, but everybody's doing their own thing individually. Mom's working out, La'Era finna go to school, about to do his own own motivational speaking. So it's just really cool. I don't know, it's it's just interesting. And then well, the other thing was when little Eric was like, what good is success if it's only gonna help you? <clears throat> like it's a, it's a bar. I was like, wow, okay. So that was the top three things I've learned with that uh with that movie.
1: Like and 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 look, look, it's a continuing thing. It boiled down to what family found purpose. Let me tell you something. I, I was married and divorced once. I'm going to tell you what I learned from that divorce. Now, <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious too, okay? What I learned was that if you decide to be with someone who does not have and is not engaged in their purpose, you never make that person happy mm. Without purpose. You are constantly trying to supplement that void with the things you buy, with the things you distract yourself with, with the things you consume. Again, it's a flaw of Western civilization where we undermine the value of purpose. And what is purpose? Purpose is the call to action to serve. Serve who? And serve how? Well, the beautiful thing about purpose is, is that what purpose does is purpose allows you and in, insists that you address your pain. Your pain is actually a pathway to your purpose. It's through your pain you begin to become an expert. You become an authority figure on healing your pain. The funny thing about your pain is there's millions of motherfuckers out there who had the same pain. Heard me? And that's how you become an authority in the space. And that's how you begin to launch your essential and your purpose. So what happened in the movie was through clarity of purpose, peace, bless the house. So when I went through my divorce, I realized that the mistake I made was is that I was with a woman who did not, not only didn't have an identity, but she had no sense of purpose. I'm with a woman now who has a clear sense of purpose. She's a speech pathologist for kids with special needs. That's a passion. And as a result of that, I've been exposed to a world where I realized, like you said, it's important to think before you speak. But for some people, filling in the white noise is a reaction to or a byproduct of anxiety. So silence creates a discomfort that they are not yet equipped to deal with because their anxiety is so heightened. And that anxiety could have started from ACEs. Adver- I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but if you haven't heard of Aces, I advise you to do some research on. I believe it was Dr. Maxine Waters and what she had to say in regards to uh, adverse uh, childhood effects of 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 of, of, uh, of 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 trauma.
0: There's a Aces quiz that you can take to see your exposures for that too, as
1: well. Hundred percent. And so, you know, I try to have compassion for people, and it, you know, hundred percent. But one of the things that's most therapeutic. And we don't understand it. Because Western civilization never prioritized it. It's purpose. Through purpose, you can heal pain. You can heal the pain of others. And you can feel fulfilled. That's why you see all these motherfuckers out there that's supposedly successful. And beating a woman up. That's why. It's with me. You can't bullshit your demons. bars.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because with spiritual homegirl, that's exactly what this does for me. Cause like when I was going through this whole deprogramming situation, it was hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like realizing that a lot of stuff that you've been taught is a lie, realizing that at least for me, I believe that we're somewhat in a matrix state. Like it's a lot of you, you think you are free, but it's not quite like that. So um, that really affected my ability to find peace. It did. And, you know, feeling like you are going through this, and, and the people around you at the time might not be going through it. They may not feel you. You might be called crazy. You might be, oh, you're just going through something, you know, whatever. It's like a lot of that stuff, it can really like wear on you. And I felt like I was alone for a minute because I didn't, I don't think anybody would have understood So I was like, dang, what if I had somebody that could relate to me the way I can or the, or talk to me in a way that I, I'm like a homegirl of some sorts that could really help me understand be like, yo, you not tripping. This is somewhat of a matrix say, but you gotta figure out how you gonna navigate it, but you gotta be confident to do that. So that's what it's interesting because through that pain came spiritual home girl. And it's like it's just interesting because I have people that heat me up and they're like, yo, I'm glad you did an episode about this or or this type of topic or this type of topic. Things have been on my mind. And I realized I'm not tripping. Or I didn't think about it like that. So that type of stuff just you're right because this type of stuff fulfills me so much it does like i could do this and like i'm on a podcast and marathon this is like episode or day number like 87 88 something like that i've been podcasting every day and yeah. like, i know and it's like and if i've been guided just to do it like I, I don't even feel like i can stop yet it's just but because it fulfills me so much it's a part of my purpose it don't feel like work understood so it's just understood like, but, but when you serve, it feels good. It doesn't feel like it's an obligation or, oh, I got to go do this. No, it's like, nah, like, this. It, this it, I enjoy doing this. Like, I'm, I can't even, like, articulate it in, in, a, in my usual cool, calm, whatever, because I'm just so excited about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, knowing that people, like, can learn and they can do what they want to do, but it's the game is here. You feel me? Like, no matter what, the game is here. The homegirl got you. But at the same time, like, it's up to you to make the choice. You got to meet
1: me halfway. The same way you ain't trying to coach niggas off the lazy boy. That's not what I do. That's not what I do. Listen, and you know what? I feel you. You are uh, are living manifestation of purpose. A person fulfilling their purpose. That's it right there. And one, again, I want to say congratulations on sticking to it. Two, identifying it as a means of therapy and identifying it as a means of helping yourself heal and so many others heal. Putting people on the path to potentially addressing their pain, that's the game. That's what we are on this planet to do, whether we are aware of it or not. What you're doing is what we are on this planet to do. And you said something else. I wanna see if I can remember what it was. Um, You were speaking about the game the game is here he said some um, anyway look i i i have lost that train of thought but i i really commend you and you know uh like i said man you know you you can have a brother back whenever you want it's been really a pleasure and also i just think that you you you, you as an individual are outstanding you are outstanding and you know you still allow yourself to be vulnerable you are constantly in the position of learning which i think is amazing you know um I actually am going to just touch on a little bit of something that you did speak about, which I think is going to be more so involved in my next, in my next course. But uh, I really think it's important um, for people to understand that without, if you are not equipped enough to be vulnerable, equipped enough, willing enough to admit when you don't know or incapable. Of accepting that you might need help, if you can't be that humble consistently, more than likely you are trapped in the matrix that Maria was talking about. Because that matrix, and this is what I'm getting into in my next course, that matrix, I'm going to just say matrix because I know it's a relatable word, but it's actually much deeper than that. But until you actually step outside of this very very isolated insulated country you don't understand what it's like to actually be regarded and equal. you don't understand what it's like to have a place that you can go to where there's just a natural limbic exchange when you walk past another human being. you walk past a person there's a twinkle in their eye and a simple salutation a person you don't know that makes you feel, Equal. You don't know what that is because we are in such a result-oriented civilization where we prioritize capital capitalism over human over human life, where we prioritize individual our priorities towards individuals based on their color. We just as fucked up. We have our own versions of hate because of what we've been subjected to, but it's not until you actually step outside of this microcosm we call the United Slave Association, that you begin to understand what life is actually about. And the beautiful thing about it is is that once you experience it, you are now able to look at the United States of America from the outside in rather than from the inside out. Big difference. And when you do identify you begin to understand that the United States of America is an amazing tool. It's a tool. It is not intended to provide you with the best lifestyle it's intended to provide people who honor capitalism with the best profits. And the people within it who are blind to that are in fact the slaves of the United Slave Association. Now, looking at America from that paradigm you have this refuge, place of refuge now you've been to where people look at you and love the fact that you are just a human being. That allows the black man's mind to heal. I met, I met young men, I was walking through the Galleria Mall in Houston one time. Nigga was returning a shirt because the stitching said double stitching, but when I looked at it, it was single stitch. I don't play that shit. Heard Nigga paid $25 for a shirt. You're going to have to give me a motherfucking cold ass shirt because I'm going to go get the shit tailored on top of that and make it look like it's a $1,000. So what I did was I ran into this young man and the young man told me he wanted to go to teach. He was going abroad to teach. He was getting his master's and going abroad to teach. And he told me because his mentors told him that when a black man leaves America, his mind begins to heal. And that kind of struck me and took me aback because when I was in the joint, it's a lot of niggas that taught me the same thing. I'd heard that multiple times throughout my life. And I was blessed with the ability to live in multiple places. You know what I'm saying? You just got to, once you once you meet your parole and you pay off your restitution fees, you're allowed to travel where you want. And I've been lucky to live in a lot of different places. And so I would just say this to every human being that's capable. I know that every one of us can't get up and travel. But I want you to understand that there's a world much bigger than this immediate world. In fact, Americans only make up 5% of the population. Yet we make up 25% of all consumerism in the United States of America. In all... 20, the United States of America, make 25% of consumerism in the world. We're hyper consumer. We're trained and conditioned that way. That's the way we get down. So, my point basically being is that understand that you are living a rather insulated life. And part of what breeds the racism, part of what breeds the issues that we have in this country is that within this insulated microcosm are more insulated microcosm. So, you have your kins and kins and other people are living in worlds where they've never had to deal with someone with this hue. They ain't never had to deal with someone who's been in prison. They've never had to deal with a woman, a black woman, who's an entrepreneur, owns her own business, determines her own destiny. They've never had to deal with an educated black woman. There are all these insulated. I know black folks that live in California that ain't never seen the beach. I know black folks live in Florida ain't never seen the beach. There's no excuse for that. But it's a fact. We insulate ourselves within this insulated society. So, again, when you study economics, you begin to see a broader picture. There's a bunch of free courses all over, all over the Internet that you can take on studying economics. But if you want to give yourself a better shot than your predecessors had, I advise that you prioritize economics. And the other step is I advise that you take a chance at experiencing something outside of the United Slave Association. Thanks.
0: This has been such an insightful conversation.
1: You got it. tell me you're gonna come back, see You come back. I'm always back. You know what I'm saying? I'll be back. I'll for sure I'll be back. Okay. You know what if I'm saying? Just-
0: when that course come out about vulnerability, I would love for you to talk about
1: that. Yeah, it, 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 it's very deep because I was really blessed with the opportunity to like live in multiple countries. And through doing so, I was able to get a good sense, you know, of like, oh wow, I actually am loved as a human being. And just simply knowing that really changed my perspective of the world. And so what I do is I do like what most corporations do. I look at the United States of America as a great tool, as a great opportunity to build financial wealth. But as far as my spiritual wealth, emotional wealth, familial wealth, I got to be real. I'm very, I'm, I'm very specific about it. And that really starts abroad for me. It really does. I'm a better service when I know that I have a home and niggas who know me, me understand what I'm talking about. Otherwise, this will keep you in an angry and hateful place. you can't afford to be there. Anger is probably more paralyzing than two gunshots to the spine but we live in the, we live in those conditions that is what that is that is what enables us to be manipulated the way that we are every election cycle man
0: talk about that i've seen a lot of that happening I'm, I'm just at this point. I think we are so acceptance of performative displays of love that we really still not seeing it like that's still not love. You know, it's that too.
1: beautifully put, beautifully put. I I I gotta tell you, you just became one of my mentors. So now I'm watching you. Just keep just I'm not I'm, I'm not fucking with you. I'm watching you. And on the on the listen, one, you're very wise. One, you are living it. You want. One, you are very wise. Two, you're living it. Three, you are a beautiful soul. Four, you are living your purpose. And five, you are defining your culture as you go. You are setting the new standard as you go. Why wouldn't I want to learn from you?
0: Thank you. 100%. I was in the social media thing uh, today, I did an episode about creep behavior and how um, there was a black astrologer that inspired me to do it. He was talking about, as a man, as a straight man, he was talking about how um, men don't have the, well, let me let me rephrase it. Men have the luxury of not having to worry about being catcalled and being um, having their peace disturbed by women that want to just get their opinions off about how they look and things like that. Meanwhile, women are walking by, they're being catcalled, they're being harassed. And he was just basically saying that, you know, you have to self-check before you approach a woman to make sure that you are coming correct and not just talking something shallow like, oh, you're beautiful.
1: 100%. And
0: and it kind of reminded me of, like, you know, some of the comments I've gotten, some of my homegirls have gotten from men that have been like a, you got fat ass, or, oh, you you fine, you sexy as fuck. Like, all these little out-of-pocket, like, responses. It's lazy to me, number one. But to me, I was saying that, you know, me being rooted in my purpose, compliments about my purpose, are much more important to me than me looking good with a face full of makeup or me looking good, um, you know, in a, in a dress or an outfit. Like those things are cool, thank you, but they don't define my value. It doesn't make my, it doesn't make me feel like I've added value to the world because you think I'm pretty or you think I got a nice body or whatever. Um, and I did start, you know, popping shit a little bit, just, you know, being funny. Like, look, the next time y'all start talking about, oh, you thought you got a ass, I'm about to drop a link. I'm about to DM you a link with a product to buy. Because compliments don't pay my bills. So you got 24 hours to go buy you a look course, go buy you a hoodie, a sweatshirt, a puzzle book or something. If you don't buy in 24 hours, I'm going to block you. Because I don't want to align with somebody that only sees this. This is a shell. This houses the spirit. This is not. You know what I'm saying? So we was talking about that. Me and, and, me and uh, Sam, we on the same page because, you know, he inspired me to create the podcast episode. I got men pissed off. A couple of them pissed. We can't give women compliments anymore. This is a problem. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm trying to tell them, look, bro. at the bottom line is this: men do not have a hundred percent of the power when it comes to dictating partnership. It takes a woman to agree. And let's keep it a thousand. A lot of men be shooting shots at women, different women, all the time. It's like shooting free throws, like I said. I said you're gonna break, you're gonna miss, you gonna break, you're gonna get one, you're gonna get one. So you might pop in ten different women throughout the day. Three of them might respond, but that's still three. That's still three. So for me, I'm like, so when you pop at me, you're presenting yourself as an option. It's up to me to make the choice as to whether you are the man that I would like to be courted by. It is what that. Yeah. Is. So I guess by me asserting my power or me saying that, look, it don't run 100% like that, like, it does it. And I, and I said it in a way. And I said, look, I'm not trying to emasculate a man by saying that. I'm just keeping it honest with you as a woman as you don't work through my experience and telling you this how we think." I get called masculine. I'm trying to be a man. I'm like, see? Okay. But I like these kind of moments when I when I have these type of moments of people that don't understand it because there's somebody that's looking at my page that probably got told that bullshit about somebody. Mm-hmm. And they probably don't want to stand to their power because they don't want to be... Considered manly or masculine when it's really just me being direct as a woman like I'm still hundred So I'm curious to know your perspective on when it comes to approaching women and things like that
1: uh, Well, first of all what you're experiencing what you're defining Which is also in the, in the up-and-coming course is porn culture That's porn culture And I'll explain to you how porn affects the brain in a second, but let's 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 go back I never heard you say that men couldn't give a woman a compliment I think that what he's confusing is that he thinks that he has an expectation of a reaction.
0: There you go. To his compliment. Exactly. And he
1: doesn't get to dictate what that reaction is. He can give all the compliments he wants. What he cannot do is dictate what the reaction to his compliment should be, and that's where the problem is. So it's not you being masculine; is that we are actually confusing men and boys and going one step further we are confusing true interest with porn culture let me explain what these niggas is doing is these niggas is watching porn all day these niggas is watching porn in between they 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 work breaks these niggas are watching porn on their bus rides and what happens is again what i explained to you is that they are watching this not subconsciously identifying with women through pornography, skipping past whatever that is in the beginning, the, 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 the plumber comes over, he's fixing the sink and going straight to the fucking. And what it's doing is it's actually programming them to engage women in the same way. They don't realize that they're doing it. But what they're doing is, is when they approach you, they're approaching you in anticipation of, their, of you supplementing their program. So, what they've done is they've conditioned themselves to interpret women as a tool, a sexual tool, and it's the reason why they're unable to identify all the other aspects of your being because, in theta state, they've absorbed and turned into a societal norm porn, porn hub, and the brain doesn't differentiate the brain just logs it as part of existence as part of a process so when they approach you they are basically um you've heard the saying so a man speaks so he is in his heart was that like is that proverb some shit i don't know because look i'm gonna be real you know what i'm saying i've heard that shit in a few other in a few other settings, kind of like church without the magic tricks and so what what i'm trying to get at what I'm, get, what I'm getting at is that the truth is a man's compliment tells you more about the man than the man is telling you about you. Your val, His value system, is his compliment is laced in his value system. His value system is laced in his compliment. So, me, glad to admit, I've been a person who've approached hundreds of women in my life telling them how beautiful they were, et cetera, et cetera. And as he evolved from a boy to a man, I've come to understand that there's a lot more to it. And I'll be real, I've always been blessed with this one thing. I truthfully am a romantic. Despite what niggas say, I'm a romantic. You know what I'm saying? Near inmate can tell you that I'm not. Heard me? And so, I've always looked at it from the perspective of, for most of the time, from the perspective of, what else can we do outside of fucking? And to me, that's the exciting part. Spending time, talking, building, sharing dreams, meeting family, kicking it with friends, socializing. All of this is part of the experience. But porn conditions you to skip past all of it. And it works both ways. Women do it to men, too. Yeah. So you end up fetishizing someone who could have potentially been your life's partner. Cost yourself something, didn't it? And so what I try to get individuals to do is to identify the program how they are programming themselves. I'll give you one, one really quick example. If you listen to enough gangster rap, you're going to want to put a cap in somebody's ass. You watch enough porn, you're going to want to put a butt plug in somebody's ass. See how that works? Same, same. Herb. And so, if you are, if you are asking my opinion, my opinion is the evolution of man it's to be able to identify all the value in a relationship. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, you look like somebody that might be down to have some convenient fucks from time to time. But you can't be upset when that person doesn't give you the response that you want. me Right. And that's it. I don't see nothing wrong with it. It's a whole culture. I know niggas that go around the world and get paid to do sex shows. These niggas is Superman-endowed niggas. They've been in prison most of the time. They can only get a job working at a fucking tow truck or some shit, driving a tow truck. Fuck that. They do sex shows in Brazil, sex shows in South Africa. They do sex shows all over the world to get paid for it. And that's what they do. And some girls sometimes be in the crowd, see what they do and be like, yo, let's hook up. And that's what that is. That's fine. You want to be a porn star, be a porn star. But you can't get upset because of the fact that you are where you are. And here's the irony of the shit. So now some women will have a self-esteem low enough to believe that they can change this man or self-esteem low enough to believe that it's still worth the engagement. And they get with the man. And after a little bit of time, they say to the man, you know what? We've been together for X amount of years and I kind of want to take this relationship to the next level because we've been together this long. And the man would be like, well, that's beautiful that you feel that way. And then she'll get upset because she's not giving him the response, giving her the response that she anticipated after putting so many years into this relationship. The irony is, is that that's the same nigga that would have got mad had he not gotten the response that he wanted from her in the first place. Exactly. Now, who suffered more? And here's the other part of that equation. If you find yourself in a relationship with someone for years and then suddenly believe that you've gotten the short end of the stake, please believe me. <laughs> you might not want to accept it, but you're there because you mirror something in one another. That's a fact. That's a motherfucking fact. Opposing magnets cannot coexist. Opposing vibrations cannot coexist. That's physics. Bars. I'm glad you touched on that
0: because... It was all talking about unwanted attention. It's like, it's it really is just like a, a roll of the dice in terms of what type of woman it is. Like, some women like it. Some women want the persistence. Some women can be polite and say, no, thank you. There are some women that have tried to be polite. Like, my comments was lit up with women just telling their stories about, you know, one dude said, you like, you cool and I can smoke with you. And she was like, no, no, thank you. And she just kept walking. That man followed her to her apartment building. So it's like we're in a society now where that type of culture has been coddled so much that some women don't want to be addressed at all. It's like, look, like let me choose you. Don't even, don't even bother. Like, if I want to come for you, I'll I'll come get you if I want you. So it's just these different things that I think men have to understand. Like, we're not in a, a traditional like you want her, go get her. It's not like that anymore. So there's different options. And then I guess with me talking my shit. And talking about how when a woman is rooted in her power and her purpose, she can realize that, you know, she doesn't need a man to necessarily validate her. Now, granted, if you want to have kids and things like that and you need a, a man's penis to do it, really, that's where we at. But in terms of validating yourself, I said, I, like for me, my power got stronger when I realized I self-validated. I had to validate myself first and then look at a man and a partner as a compliment to me the same way a man will look at a woman and be like she compliments me as who I am and my power as a man. He man, them folks was so my DMs was lit up. So, so a lot of them got it. A lot of men got it. It was like, yo, you're not speaking no lies. And then a couple of men, I guess, was sensitive. Cause you know, when a woman speaks directly and with a tone, sometimes it triggers a little shit in them that I ain't got nothing to do with. So I could tell I triggered some people um earlier today. And I and I wasn't upset because for me it's great marketing. It's great for me to flex how 100%. I can. So it was engagement. I'm like, if y'all want to make it go up with the engagement, be my guest. No offense taken. Not to mention all this stuff is good content creation too. Like engagement and stuff like that, like conflicts, it always made for good content creation. Like I'm a, I love to transmute bullshit in the glitter. Like I really love that. I go through something, I'm like, oh, I'm about to create something from this because this helps, I know somebody is going through this. So,
1: so
0: it's a live type of real-time example of what that's like. So it's just been it was really interesting to get your perspective on that.
1: I didn't appreciate. That.
0: appreciate. it. I didn't know. <laughs> it be like
1: that, though. There's Bill strip close around here, too. So, I mean. Hey, hey, know. look. Look, look. It, one, one of the things that has made my life the most blessed is relinquishing the need to judge. Relinquishing the need. I just lowered my expectations of people. It happened after my divorce. I just lowered my expectations of people by about 99%. Just about 99%. It's just about 99 That's right. I love my expectations of people. I don't have expectations of folks. You understand? Know I just know what I like. And it's like we talked about it at the beginning. Community is a verb. Just because we look alike don't mean that we think alike. Don't mean that we necessarily interpret politics the same. Love the same. Our love languages could be imposing. I get it. That's fine. I don't have any expectations of you, so I'm not disappointed because of the fact that you and I interpret love or romance differently. Just keep it moving. But because of the fact that you don't, a prime example, here's, here's more of the double standard. go a prime example. Someone comes up, a white person comes up to a sister and says, oh, my God, your hair is so beautiful for a black girl. That's offensive. She's going to fuck around and end up getting blasted. She's going to get blasted. She's going to be on D.L. Hughley's page Monday fucking morning. Am I wrong? No. Well, the reason is because we are at a time now where consciousness has evolved. And that is no longer acceptable. Well, thanks to a lot of other things that have occurred, we are also at a time now where we realize a different sensitivity as it relates to men approaching women. So we going to be tone deaf like Karen? Or are we going to honor, truthfully, are we going to honor what we've learned and act differently as we've been afforded new information? There's no double standard. Because this nigga just going to follow this woman. I had a, a nigga follow my homegirl to her house. She locked the door just in time. The nigga started punching through the side glass on her dog. We had to roll over to this motherfucker. I got to stop the conversation right there because I don't want to get myself in no trouble. But he ain't going to be breaking no more glass, I tell you that shit. So we don't know what we're going to get. We have to be sensitive to new information. And new information tells me that a compliment can lead to a woman losing her life. A flirtatious eye can lead to a woman being murdered by her husband. I have to be. I have to be cognizant of that. It's bad enough we have to circumvent racism in the, un- in, the un- in the unhappy states of America. Well, we also have to work on understanding what it means to make women feel more safe. What it means to approach women and understand here it come, here it come, boundaries. Hello! Boundaries, nigga. Now, I'm probably getting trouble. I'm going to probably piss off some things. You can give a woman any compliment you want. But that's where it stops. You don't get to dictate her reaction. And you don't get to step in if you don't get the reaction that you don't want. You give your compliment. And it's your fault that you have expectations of your compliment. But that's all it is. It's a compliment. Keep it moving and honor her boundaries. We have new information now. We can't expect every woman to be able to discern whether you're a killer or black Jeffrey Dahmer. We don't know. So honor that new information and behave accordingly with your fucking porn culture self. Real nigga shit.
0: Okay, I got one last question because I can really—I I know you got a newborn. I don't want you know. I know I just don't want you. You know, I don't want to take no more time away because I know newborns require a lot of work. But how does Tijuana Jackson stay grounded energetically? How do you spiritually stay grounded? That's what I always ask all of my guests that.
1: Well, you know, look. One of the things I really want to explain to people is that as human beings, we know different. We a lot like the stock market; we fluctuate quite a bit. We are affected by a lot of things within our environment, within our ecosystem. It can be something as simple as a major injustice, or something as simple as burning your eggs in the morning. Your grocery bag tears open as you walk out the grocery store to a gross injustice that we all witness on the screen, or in your neighborhood, or around the block. Whatever the case, right? And these things affect the way in which we behave. And though there are some days where I am grounded, and some days when I'm 30% grounded. You understand? And so it fluctuates. So, the first thing I make sure to do is I never hold myself to an unrealistic standard. The second thing I do is, in regards to staying grounded, is that I honestly believe that self time is important. I like introspection. I believe in introspection. I think the introspection is an overlooked art in the world of, uh, 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 it, you know, an overlooked art in human existence. I think it was Socrates who said a tragedy is a life unexamined. You need to examine your life and figure out every single place in your life that you can take responsibility. I don't have one thing in my life. I don't have one thing in my life that I can blame on another nigga. Not one, not another w- nigga, not another woman, not a parent, nothing. I ain't got one thing I can blame on nobody. I have figured out a way to take Full responsibility for every single thing that's happened to me in my adult life. Facts. Now, let me tell you the power of that, how that keeps me grounded. Let me tell you the power of it. I go, well, if it's my fault, how? And if I'm angry and ignorant, I'm going to be like, it ain't my fault. and be resistant to it. But when I really sit and get introspective, I go, oh, shit. That's crazy. Here we are, getting divorced. But I saw the flags on day one. I chose not to honor him, but I saw him. And I'll tell you how I know you, I saw him. Because human intuition is still the most advanced technology on this planet. And a female's intuition trumps a man's intuition by two. So there's no excuse. It's your fault. You saw it. you got signs. you got signals. You chose it. When you can take ownership of that shit, you begin to feel grounded. You begin to feel empowered. You begin to steer the ship of your destiny. So I know we're going to close it out, but if you're interested, I want to share a few things with you. We talked on finance. I'd like to recommend a book titled. I Will Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramit Seti. In my opinion, it's a great book for people needing to get a handle on their finances. But also, especially your your listeners, because I'm assuming your listeners are probably somewhere between 25 and 55. Right. Yep. And you probably have a younger demographic. But, yeah, I think the bulk of yours is probably between 25 and 35, 25. Facts.
0: That is true. uh,
1: Okay, Perfect book for y'all, because you may not be heavily skilled in investing, but this will show you how to invest in a way that protects your money and make sure that you're not blowing your money. The reason I recommend this book is because what this book is recommending, I did accidentally 20 years ago. And the biggest bulk of my portfolio is from that investment. That's the first thing. It also shows you how to get out of debt and explains a lot of things. The book's titled, I Will Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Another great book that I want to recommend to you that a lot of people aren't aware of is called The New Psycho-Cybernetics. The New Psycho-Cybernetics basically is a book written by Dr. Maxwell Maltz in 1968 that has been updated since by a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy and Dr. Maxwell Maltz's wife, the late Maxwell Maltz's wife. And what the book explains is that your self-image... Your true self-image. Not you when you profiling on Instagram, talking about you a boss and a, and a queen and a king and all this shit. No, that quiet voice that whispered to you like a crackhead queen. The one that you hear in the middle of the night when you're sitting in the mirror and it tells you that you ain't shit. That you ain't capable, you ain't qualified. That you an imposter. That voice, the honest voice that knows what you did that nobody else knows what you did. That knows the choices you made that were selfish that nobody else knows that you made. That self-image, believe it or not, is steering you towards your destiny of a poor self-image. So the more refined the self-image, the more refined the life. In fact, I like to equate it to something I call a CCA, a course-correcting apparatus. When you look at a missile closely, it's wiggling in the air because the because cor- the missile is constantly correcting its course. Why? Because as it travels, the wind changes, humidity changes, heat changes and as a result of that the heat pushes the missile up so it has to constantly correct its course but the thing that keeps it on track is a clear and desirable target we don't give ourselves clear and desirable targets because our cca is fucked up why we don't know what a clear and desirable target is for us we haven't determined that yet and again if you address your pain, you will become clearer in your purpose. And if you become clearer in your purpose, you will then be able to crystallize your clear and desirable target. Is this, is, is this resonating or do I need to clarify anything? It's resonating with
0: me. It makes okay,
1: cool. Okay, cool. So the book, New psycho you are the immaculate conception of your self-image. Not your loudmouth self-image, your quiet self-image. So I advise you to pick up that book, even if you never fuck with my cause. Even if you never fuck with my cause, I advise you to do yourself a favor and pick up those two books. I will teach you how to be rich by Ramit Sethi and the new psycho by Dr. Maxwell Maltz Dan Kennedy. Now, now that we got that out of the way, uh, I want to go back to what we just touched on, which was what the last thing we talked about before I got into these books. We were talking about uh, porn
0: culture and
1: boundaries but i ended it on something and then i went into the books uh did this what this what age do to you right here
0: (laughs) lucy you talked about expectations of people you talked about Mm -hmm. compliments not choosing how to respond
1: but then i you asked me about something else and i it it don't matter the long and the short of it is nigga my course is cold as fuck and it's Grounded? grounded huh Spiritually grounded, spiritually grounded. And the reason I bring these two things up, because if you live in the unhappy states of America, two things that you have to understand. Part of the reason you are so emotionally invested, part of the reason you are so angry, or part of the reason you are so unfulfilled is because of cognitive dissonance. Thank you for reminding me with your young sharp mind. Cognitive dissonance. Let me explain cognitive dissonance real quick and I'm gonna get off this lady line. But cognitive dissonance works this way. What you are told and led to believe and bred to practice is in complete conflict with what you are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Prime example, all men are created equal. But what you experience every day at your work site, everything you experience every time you walk on, the, get on the subway, which you experience every time you walk down a street is in complete conflict to that. So what ends up happening is there's no congruency. That absence of congruency creates is a breeding ground for stress. It's a breeding ground for anxiety. That's what you experience. And that is what this culture is composed of. It's called cognitive distance. I'm going to give you a prime example. Let me make it real basic for niggas. By the way, if you're wondering why I ain't talking about Derrick Jackson, is <laughs> because talking about Derrick Jackson, there's nothing for your bag. I wasn't
0: even going to bring that up. I was like, no.
1: Yeah, you- I'm sure you've peeped. I'm of a different, I'm of a different caliber. I was you not know even end
0: up even on my own platform. I, I sidestepped that more. Like,
1: nope, we're not even doing it. No, it's not what no no no. I'm i uh, i I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about something else. But the thing about prime example is when you got a nigga who will tell you, I just want a good girl that I can trust. Because there's so many wild women out here these days. Same nigga can't stop himself from cheating. I see what you're going. He the most stressed nigga on the planet. Why? Because of cognitive dissonance. (laughs) The world he is living in is in complete conflict with the world he desires. Cognitive dissonance. Guess what? You might be guilty of cognitive dissonance, imposing it upon yourself. So if you want to stay grounded, make sure that the, the world you desire is in congruence with your actions. That's how I stay ground in this motherfucker, whether it's thirty percent or hundred percent. Cognitive dissonance is a killer. the the
0: way the way you just kicked that is so cold because I've been talking about like manifestation because I don't like how cliched it's become. Um, It's becoming like a buzzword. So I was telling people, um, I think it was last week, two weeks, uh, my episodes are running together because I'm doing them every day, like I said, but. I was talking about people. I said, look, like everybody wants to think you can just write it down. That's it. Like, no, it takes effort. And some days you're going to feel like 40%. And maybe it might be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You just got 40% and that's it. And that's okay. But in terms of your goals and what you manifest, those 40% days going to add up. What you're looking for might require more of a, a consistent 80%, 90%, 75%, depending on what you're asking for. So I think it's interesting that you bring that up. Because I literally
1: just talked about this like two weeks ago. I've been trying to tell folks. Damn it. Yo, You know know how many people come to me and ask, say they want to to interview Tijuana Jackson. They want to interview me. Let me tell y'all something. It was effortless. She was like, damn, I'm already in the course. I need to interview you. One, folks who support me, I support them. That's how I get down, right? So the funny thing is, I probably contributed to 30 crowdfunding campaigns in the last three years. Because the people who contributed to my crowdfunding campaigns started crowdfunding campaigns. Thousands of people contributed to mine. You can see all the data is right there on Indiegogo. I advise you to be wary if you're going to use Indiegogo. <laughs> and um, like I said, you can see all the data right there, how many people contributed. And of those people, about 30 of them started crowdfunding campaigns and not contributed to every last one. It's my it's my pleasure to honor people who need help. So uh, the reason I bring it up is because, like you said, you were just talking about it. I think there was just a certain energy. I think there was just a certain knowingness that made this possible. And so, one, I'd like to thank you for honoring me and having me on your show to talk about the cat. I'd also like to thank you and say I really appreciate you supporting, uh, uh, so supporting the actual course, because I truthfully believe it's a game changer. And there's plenty of testimonies in existence now that support the, uh, that belief. So those are two things that I just want to throw out there. And then just third, I mean, I, I I looked you up, I did the research and your proof of concept is strong. And I was like, yo, dude, hit her up real quick and make sure that we can get this done. And we did, boss.
0: Dang, you actually researched, oh my goodness. I'm like, oh, you just never know, like, people be looking up. Like, I didn't yep. even, I, I should have factored that in, like, damn, he gonna probably look me up and see what's up. But I didn't even, damn, I didn't think you was gonna do it though, you know
1: what I'm saying? Yo, hit- let me tell you what i I love to do i love to research people and see how many fake followers they got (laughs) i love look if you whether you know it or not you discredit yourself with fake followers okay that's the first thing i want to say the second thing i want to say is that when you look at what um people what brands how brands determine what they will pay your brand what they will pay you to sponsor the you know to, to 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 to, to, to uh, have this shit on your platform for 24 hours or whatever. They're not looking at how many followers you got. They're looking at your comments. They're looking at your engagement. And then they're creating a ratio based on that engagement and your following. So if you have a platform that has a million followers, uh, but if you post, but, but if you have a, a Twelve comments or 40 comments they're going to do a ratio of those comments against that said million and they're going to be like wow that's a terrible engagement ratio her audience don't even look at what she posts she got 40 comments from bots <laughs> the actual engagement is what informs the sponsor so that's the platform that i use to determine who i fucks with let me tell y'all something. On, on the social media level, I'm going to leave this with you. Tijuana Jackson, they say, why are you, you, know, you charging for your course, blah, blah, blah? I don't do vanity metrics. Like I said in the beginning, I don't give a fuck who download my shit in Bratislava. I don't give a fuck how many motherfuckers in how many countries is watching my shit. Unless it's telling me that for every 400 downloads I get in Bratislava, I get 40 people signing up for my course. That's vanity metrics. It ain't data. Data should you should be able to use data is when you can use it to create equations and formulas. So I know that if I concentrate my efforts in this area, it's gonna cost me X amount of dollars to get X amount of downloads, and X amount of downloads are gonna result in X amount of sales. That's data. The rest of it's vanity metrics. Don't come to me with vanity metrics. I'm I was a White House consultant for the motherfucking for motherfucking social media. I got a successful crowdfunding campaign. Ain't a lot of folks in the world that could say that shit. Okay, let's keep it. Let's keep it 100. Okay, this nigga right here. I've been online. I've been. i 20 years real, 10 years digital. Nigga been online since 2010, back when Justin TV existed. Social media is bullshit. And the key to this whole shit is having a funnel. Let me tell you the one other component I left out for the crowdfunding campaign, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Here's how I started my crowdfunding campaign. I created a video, and the video was titled The Rack of the Racism, in which I broke down the economics and the historical context of racism so that people could understand that racism is, in fact, a business. Shit was 19 minutes long, but it was crammed. It was dense. Well, before I could release the video, somebody stole the shit and leaked it. I had to go to every platform. It was already racking up hundreds of thousands of views. I have to go to every platform all within a matter of hours and beg them to take it down and say, this is part of my crowdfunding campaign. I'm going to be using it for my crowdfunding campaign. Please don't do this. I I want to release it and then you can do what you want with it. Every last one of them honored me. Here go the irony of that. Thousands of people interpreted this content being taken down as conspiracy. They assumed that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube wanted the information removed because it was breaking down the truth in such a concise way, which built up the anticipation. Hmm. A month and change later, when I finally released the video with the crowdfunding campaign, I raised $89,000 from that one video. Why? Because I had a sales funnel set up. That's when social media gets real. When you are able to utilize your contact to create a desired result. Until then, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of fucking time. Even Russia, with a Russian bots, instigating arguments and debating to attempt to sway political view in America, they had a desired result. A lot of the niggas that was engaged in those bots, Wasted their time because they had no desired result. What you trying to do? You trying to change a troll's mind? You got another ten years to try to convince a racist not to be racist. Good luck, nigga. You have a much better chance spending your time chamber of commerce, spending your chance at your local municipality, fucking with your city commission, who advises your city clerks and city council on legislation. So you'd have a much better time and a much more effective return on your investment if you did that. than fucking around on social media all fucking day. Like these fucking white supremacists is going to have mercy on you when they pull your ass over because you like Lil Nas X. Good luck. Good luck, my nigga. Good luck. So social media is bullshit. I don't do Vanity Matrix in fact i post a little snippet from my course on youtube which is the most in my opinion the most monetizable platform and then i'll post it on on instagram just a little snippet and every now and then some people will trickle in from that i not waste my fucking time i got a desired result i got a sales funnel every fucking thing i post leads back to selling of my course and memberships at my site i don't fuck around i got time for this bullshit Whatever your desired result is, it ain't gotta be monetizable, but whatever your desired result is, know what it is or know that you are wasting your time on social media. All right, all right, this done going on long enough. I <laughs> so
0: how
1: can people get in touch with you, C want Call a nigga at 954-228-8380. Anytime you find a fucking lot. 954-228-8380. Anytime you find a fucking lot. Shit. Everything I speak the truth. Hey, you could go to TijuanaJackson.com or you can call me at 954-228-8380 when you find the fucking lie. Comb everything I said. Comb through it. Get, get your research team together. I'm ready for them.
0: What about social media? I know you said social media ain't real, but how can
1: they find y'all social media? <laughs> 954- 228-8380 anytime you find the fucking lie. or t- let, me, let me explain how it get down. I created something called the pep, the pep. Let me explain why. Cause I got over a million people following on social media. But when I did my crowdfunding campaign, let me tell you, first of all, what percentage of the people actually knew that I had. And I got these numbers. I can actually give you a link to the blog of this information so you can know the numbers of a crowdfunding campaign. So I got millions of people following me, but actually, when I break down the numbers, the percentage of people that were actually aware of my crowdfunding campaign. So let's say I got 800,000 people following me on Facebook, 1.6% to 2% new, because that's as much outreach as Facebook will afford a brand page without paying. So let's keep that there. I got lucky and had a viral video that got like seven and a half million views. That changed the dynamics tremendously Uh, Facebook couldn't marginalize. If you understand the numbers, you know that 39% of your followers probably following you on other platforms. So if you've got 100,000 people following you on Facebook, 39% of them are probably following you on another platform. So there, there's, there's some bleedo. So when you go to, when you, according to what your, your, prom, your, your, your prominent platform is, when you look over, you're actually only getting a small percentage of unique followers, right? So on, on that other platform. So my, my point is, is that let's just say that overall, over all of it, there were 800,000 people, or let's say there was 600,000 people that was following me. Of that 600,000 people that was following me, because of the marginalization in the way in which Facebook allows you to reach your platforms, when in reality, maybe 6% of those people actually knew that I had crowdfunding campaign. And of that 6%, 1,911 people contributed to my crowdfunding campaign on the crowdfunding site and then another 200 people contributed directly through my website so what that tells me is you're wasting a lot of time appeasing a lot of motherfuckers that you can never really give a call to action they ain't really helping your cause. when it really boils down to it if you've ever read it you should read it it's called your thousand true fans read that it's very interesting very interesting op-ed a thousand two fans. And what I've learned to do is I've learned to honor those 1,911 people as if they were royalty. You can ask, you can ask Maria. She's in my Discord. All I do is engage with the motherfuckers in my Discord. There's nobody on my platform who's asked me a question who hasn't gotten a research answer. That's where my energy is. So why would I tell you to follow me on a platform that's gonna marginalize my ability to reach you? Call a nigga at 954-228-8380. I created something called the PEP. It's called PEP Page of Light. You can use it for free. I normally only give it to people who take my course, but you can use it for free. You get your followers to follow you on PEP Page of Light, and then you use PEP Page of Light to tell them what platform you posted to. So if you get a bunch of people following you, when, I, when you sign up for PEP Page of Light, PEP Page of Light is going to say, okay, you want to follow Maria. What platform do you follow Maria on? And you get to select Facebook. I follow her on Instagram. I follow her on on LinkedIn. And it's going to say, cool. So when Maria posts something to Facebook, and she put her little link in there and say, because you can't fake it, you can't. You get to click on your Facebook following. And when your Facebook following gets notified, it takes them directly to the post. Why? Because it marginalizes Facebook's ability to monitor your online behavior, lessening their chances of manipulating you with advertisements because it marginalizes Facebook's ability to limit how many people get to know you posted to Facebook. So when you ask me what social media platform you can follow me on, fuck a social media platform. Call me at 954-228-8380 when you find the fucking lie and I will tell you where to find my fucking post. Real nigga shit.
0: Well, you heard the man. All right, so I'm finna turn this recorder off. This has been a very insightful interview with life coach, game giver, truth teller, <laughs> Teodora Jackson.
1: Hundred percent. Now I just want to say before I close out, Maria, I say it with my heart. You are inspiration. Talking to you, listening to the way you put your words together, listening, look, observing your thought process. I feel your motivation. I feel how inspired you are. I feel you walking in your purpose. I'll be real. Them is attractive qualities. I'm not, I'm not coming at you. You know what I'm saying? I got my lady and shit. I got my baby and shit. I'm twice your age on top of that. But I'm just saying, if I want something for my 17-year-old daughter, this is it. This is it right here. She's a very talented and gifted young lady herself, and this is it. You are living in your motherfucking purpose, and you are inspiring me from your truth, for your quest for truth, and I'm learning from you as well. I noticed, can, can, okay, let, let I'm, I'm going to do this one last thing, and then I'm shutting We're going to cut it off, but just to show you how I've noticed, how I, I've learned from you. I want to show the audience something that I've learned from you to give a demonstration. Okay. How many of you have noticed how many times Maria has made a reference or a correlation to something we are talking about now to a previous podcast she's done or a podcast that's currently being edited? Let me tell you something that I learned about that. First of all, everybody don't listen to all your shit 100% no matter what kind of guru you are. The beautiful thing about these references is you get to pull the coattails of current listeners to shit that they might have missed that might interest them. It's called the red line in the radio world, where you have the the the, the host, the shock job, make a 10-minute blurb, speak a 10-minute blurb about your product. It's the same thing. These are called red lines. This is beautiful. I just learned that game from you. I'm going to start incorporating in my shit, 100%. Word. <laughs> game. Bars. Bars. All right. Let me cut this recorder off, all right? This has been another <laughs> episode with
0: C Wada Jaxi.
1: That's right. Take it easy.
0: And that was episode 207 with Tijuana Jackson. And I think it's really cool that he's on episode 207. Two plus zero plus seven equals nine. Nine is the number of completion. And I think that for a lot of us, nine today's episode will help us in a lot of BS cycles that we've been doing that has not positively impacted our life. So I'm really happy that this episode happened the way it did. Again, much love and respect. Um, to Tijuana Jackson for coming on the show and interviewing. It was an honor, again, to reach him. The phone number, if you missed it, he didn't gave it out like three times. But if you missed it, the phone number is 954-228-8380. He said, I ain't worried about no social media. Look, just text the life coach slash real one slash truth teller slash movie financier slash crowdfunding expert slash economics game giver like again 954 228 0 now I want to share something that I've been I slowly launched it and I haven't talked about it I launched it two days ago and I think now's a perfect time to talk about it I decided to before I um well now before I get into my links I want to talk about something that I decided to do and that was the power Up pandemic reset virtual Bootcamp. I think in this time, it's it's very uncertain, it's very tumultuous, it's very stressful, and it's uncertain, and sometimes our power is not there anymore. Or we're struggling to find some type of operating system to step into our power, some type of guidelines to figure out where our power lies. So um, for me, I'm really big on clarity. Spiritual Homegirl is about clarity and about confidence and about helping people realize that they have the ability to put themselves in the best position possible to live the best possible life, however or wherever that journey takes them. Um, and I really am proud of that. So what I decided to do was um, I know a little something about power. I know a lot of something about power. Clearly I operate in it very well. I'm not even going to front. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure and aware of my power. I have been for years. If you see seen my Instagram at Spiritual Home Girl, you've seen a post I did from 2015 from March that was like, hey, I'm sure. I'm sure of who I am, where I'm coming from, how I got here, and why. And I've always owned that about myself. Um So with this pandemic reset, I've been talking to so many people that have been struggling with how to step into that power or how to step into it for the first time Um if it hasn't been more difficult due to the pandemic. So the Power Up Pandemic Reset Virtual Bootcamp is going to happen April 24th. Okay, it's going to happen April 24th, 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time to 1230 p.m. It's going to be virtual, obviously, because... Um, there may be some people that want to participate outside of Los Angeles. So I got you, boo. So if you're struggling to establish any type of energetic structure, you are frustrated because you're not as assertive or as confident as you want to be, you want to step into your personal power, but don't know how to start. I got you. There's only 10 spots available. I wanted to make this small because I really want to make sure that everybody understands and digests the material. And if there's any questions, then, um, I got you. Also, there'll be a workbook that'll be coming with this particular, uh, this bootcamp. So I'm really excited. The only thing I ask is that you commit to the process. You have an open hearted mind. You are willing to be consistent with what we learn afterwards that you self-assess and be honest with yourself and that you are willing to do the work. Okay, I've always said the same way. Tiana Jackson I ain't trying to work with everybody. He only want to work with folks that's gonna meet him halfway. I'm the same way. I gotta, I you, I gotta be able to work with you if you want to work with yourself, and that's most important. So if you want to sign up for that, I have that at the Spiritual Home Girl Shop. If you want a direct link, I got you. Again, it's only for the for 10 people. I just wanted to do something. Something different for those that um, that would like some homegirl help with that, you know? So, also, if you want to find me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, and um, Clubhouse, you can do so at Spiritual Homegirl. I'm everywhere. If you want to sign up for Text Club, you can text the word HOMEGIRL10 to 81493. Again, Homegirl10-81493. And if you want to sign up for try Butter, you can do so through my show notes here or you can click my podcast page at spiritualhomegirl.captivate.fm. That's going to switch over to spiritualhomegirlpodcast.com. Once GoDaddy, hurry up with my transfer because it's been three days, okay? So I'm just, we're just being honest. So with that being said, y'all, this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Please let me know your feedback. I love to get feedback from everybody on on how they've, um enjoyed or even not enjoyed the podcast episodes I mean I have 217 that that are in total but I have 207 that are officially numbered so if you ever hear anything episode 42 72 102 I've grown a lot as a woman and um as a podcaster since these episodes first came out in 2016 but I always love to hear um any feedback so definitely hit me up you can hit me up on social media or you know maria at spiritualhomegirl.com so with that being said y'all this has been another episode of the spiritual homegirl podcast my name is maria again don't forget power up pandemic reset virtual boot camp you can sign up through spiritualhomegirl.shop tap in with your girl and remember trust the journey and trust yourself all right love y'all peace This episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire Jason Trachademix Valerio.